get it going. It's time to get up. I think we've had an idea how we wanted to play the game, and it hasn't changed a lot from last year. I think we've wanted to tighten up certain areas in our game. I think we've done that over the last course, course of the last 15 games. You know, I think our team's played a lot better. These guys are here to break it all down. A few teams would be interested in, in the services of Nate Schmidt, and, and I think that you know teams have reached out to Jim Benning. You know, from the Canucks' point of view, how do you replace that? Joe Bocott and Joe Bonofsky. All right, love you guys. See ya. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day in the city once again here on this Wednesday, March the 10th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650 on the AM dial. You can also catch us uh, in HD at 96.9, or shout out to those listening on the Sportsnet app. A reminder, as always, the Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business at 650-650. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sportsnet 650. Find us on the gram. Don't go sliding into Perry's DMs. Keep it clean. Right, P? I'd I'd appreciate that, man. I would appreciate that. Are you set for an 8 o'clock start tonight? Like, I admire those out east who have always, always thought you're watching Monday Night Football. You go, wow, it's 8 o'clock out east, and they've got to watch their Monday Night Football. We deal with it. I don't know the last time the Canucks actually played one at 8 o'clock. I guess in the bubble when we saw all the schedules. But mm-hmm. late one tonight when they dropped the puck against the Habs. I actually, this actually works out to my benefit, selfishly speaking, because it's uh, my 12-year-old daughter's final soccer practice of the year. Yes, we survived a full season of skill drills outside of, I think, four games uh, between like mid-September and mid-October before we kind of shut down into all of our restrictions pair. But uh, we go seven to eight tonight. So I don't have to worry about PVRing and playing catch up when I get home. It actually times out quite nice on the uh, on the schedule for the eight o'clock start. But yes, it will no. mean a quick turnaround the next morning. Um, yeah, that'll be all right. At least it's a Good. Thursday, though. At least there's only two games to the weekend when you kind of shortchange yourself on sleep. Yeah, indeed. Hey, we'll get into the Habs game with Jessica Rusnick from CBC Radio Montreal in a couple of minutes. Here, Ed Jovanovski, as always, on a Wednesday will tell us what's going on. His perspective, Florida Panthers continue to play some really good hockey. We'll get into that. Seaball says you'll tell us, what's, man, you're, you're cheating going with your Bears thing. We'll do that at 6.30. I'll give you some What do you mean I'm cheating? What do you mean I'm yeah, cheating? It's Seaball some... says I can talk about what I want. It's about what I want to talk about. I'm maximizing my minutes. <laughs> Wrestling and the Bears combine yeah. both of that. By the way, and I'll yeah. get into it. I actually stopped on the, on the TV yesterday. I'm changing channels, and I watched about five minutes of, I guess it would have been the repeat of Raw. Who's the guy who's the champion of the WWE right now? That guy's a monster. Oh, uh, Bobby Lashley. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Is yeah. he a beast? <laughs> he's a big dude, man. Yeah, he's uh, what is he? He's a former national champion. Former... He's a former national champion in terms of amateur wrestling, and he actually went into mixed martial arts uh, for a few fights. I don't think he had great success, but you're right. He's got a million-dollar body, right? Like, just oh, has he's... the look. He's massive. He's got the same look as Ken Priestley. He's got a couple of Stanley Cup rings. He'll join us at 7.45. No, hey, Ken does not have that body. Sorry, Ken. 
<laughs> you can get your submissions in now for fair or foul. We'll do that one at 7.30. Corey Hurst joins us at 8 o'clock because he gets his set for the game. Yeah, hey, no, for that so, guy was massive. Hey, for, so, for, for, for those of us that don't know, um, that haven't played uh, fair or foul with us before and joining us at this time, uh, send us your take. Hot, not, whatever. And, and we can weigh in whether it's fair or foul. Just uh, text us at 650-650. And uh, we'll play that at 7.30 this morning as we do uh, each weekday morning. 7.30, fair or foul pair. Uh, yeah, we'll get into it. And uh, we'll hear from a guy who uh, I, I won't get into, but we've got some funny stuff going on with PS with a guy who I loved. One of the greatest who ever played the game and has disappeared. We're finding guys. We had Jose Theodore on yesterday. Jerome McGinley a couple weeks ago. You know, I'd love to go down memory lane and you're finding some guys who haven't played in 10 or 15 years ago. Not even haven't played, but you haven't heard from them. There's guys who jump on the media and you hear from them, and then there's some NHL superstars, James, that just disappear. Yeah. Um, we'll hear from someone at, uh, at 645 MPS today. Uh, somebody else we heard from yesterday on uh, on this radio station is Elliot Friedman, who joins the program with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah every uh, Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And, man, Elliot's latest 31 thoughts column, everybody seemed to be in trade discussions on the Vancouver Canucks roster yesterday. How about this, uh, as we're just over a month away from the uh, NHL trade deadline here on April 12th, but Tyler Mott, Nate Schmidt, Travis Hamanick, all mentioned in the 31 Thoughts column, the latest on sportsnet.ca. And Satin Walks kind of picked Elliot's brain on it. Here's what he had to say about the rumblings of said individuals. I heard about the Mott today, and I wasn't surprised by it because it's a very reasonable salary. And, you know, he played very well for Vancouver in the bubble last year, right? So I'm not surprised at that one. The Schmidt one, like, I, I think there's maybe a team or two that just kind of called and asked. I don't really get the sense that's going anywhere. Um, I'm not even convinced that, you know, Vancouver 100% even wants to do it. You know, if, if you trade Schmidt, you know, what are you replacing him with? I just don't think they're really that interested in 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 going backwards. So, I, I think that that creates another problem for you, but I do believe that they were at least called and, and said, what are you kind of thinking there? So, well, in, in, um, what, sorry, in, in what context uh, did you hear about, about Mott? Are there, you, you feel there's, there's a push out there? I don't know if there's a push, but I, I, I do think that I, I do think that there, like there are teams always looking for solid uh, players who play maybe, lower roles in your roster that are signed for very reasonable contracts. Right. And he's, and he doesn't have a lot of term. I think he's got what, one more year. So I like, I think that's very reasonable to a lot of people. And plus he plays hard. He doesn't cause you any problems. Like there's, there's a lot to like about. And like I said, he played really well in the bubble last year and people, everybody was watching. So everybody saw that. So I'm not surprised that there would be some interest in him. Well, there you go. Um, where to begin on this one, Pear? I mean, Tyler Mott, I, I I will say this. I think there's a school of thought from some people in this market right now that says anything goes outside of Pedersen and Hughes. And I can understand the logic to some degree, but here's what I don't like about some of this stuff, okay? I don't like the idea of trading Mott unless there's some serious value back. because, And, and at the same time, like for a fourth liner, like what is there? 
Like, he's a wonderful cap hit. He, he hits, he plays hard, he skates, and I'd also argue that he's their best bottom six forward on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, for Schmidt, I, I just don't – look, has he been what was advertised for this team? No. I think he's getting better. I'm still a believer in Nate Schmidt. But how many steps do you want to take backwards if you're getting rid of Nate Schmidt? Travis Hamanick, I'd say go for it, right? Seems like he's going to be here for a good time, not a long time. I guess it ultimately depends on what you get, but the reality is, is I think this team has enough 30-year-old defensemen. We have spent three years talking about overpaid guys on the bottom six and waiting for their numbers to come off the books, and it will start this year. To find someone like Tyler Mott, we just had the Leafs come in here, and we weren't talking about Matthews and Marner who get all the headlines. You're looking at the bottom six of the Leafs and go, look at the value they got in the bottom six. They're barely paying those guys anything, and granted some of the veterans, they're here just for see if I can put on that Leaf jersey and be part of a team that's successful. But for Mott and the number he has, it's the greatest trade Jim Benning made. To get Tyler Mott for Thomas Vanek was his greatest deal. Is he going to let that go? No, I, I think Tyler Mutt's the perfect fit, and you keep him here. Nate Schmidt, you know, you go back to what Jim Benning said a couple years ago. You're going to need some guys who are older if you're going to be successful. I have been disappointed with Nate Schmidt, but also I think my expectations were too high. And to judge any new Vancouver Canuck and the way this hockey team played the first two months was probably unfair. Is his number big? Yeah, but so is, you know, Tyler Myers, Nate Schmidt. They were products of the market when they became available. So if five and six million is what you pay for those guys, you have to keep them. Like how often are you going to go, okay, yeah, we're going to get rid of another veteran and we're going to fill it with, you know, unless you've got another veteran coming back, you just can't let them go, especially on the blue line. Like I would think they'll work out something with Alex Edler, but that means he's 35. Jordan Ben, thank you for the year you've given us, Jordy Ben. And I'm with you with Travis Hammond. I think they like what Travis Hammond's doing. But Travis Hammond came here to go, okay, I'm going to prove that I'm worth three or four million. You're going to spend a million on the big boys. You can't let a guy like Tyler Mott go. Uh, you know, look, could you could you conceivably cut bait? I'm sure there's a lot of people that would uh, would would have a party if the Canucks were to um, cut bait on Tyler Myers. But t- uh, but I like Tyler Myers this season for the most part. Like, there's a lot of people that that don't like. And look, would you prefer him at a cap hit? Let's say, how about uh, how about Tyler Myers at five million or Tyler Myers at four and a half? But the problem is, is you know, look, for as much as Jim Benning's done well from a drafting standpoint when it comes to you know finding Pedersen, finding Hughes, finding Besser, finding Demko, um, you know, for the most part, the back end has been a miss. In this time here, right? Olio Levy, I mean, what, 15 games here, pair? Like, it's been a miss. You know, there's hope that, hey, you know what, Jack Rathbone might be a player next year. But for the most part, you know, they've been selling Guillaume Brisebois as a staple here of the future. I mean, how has that worked out? You know, Jalen Chatfield, you know, how many years have we been hearing about Jalen Chatfield when he kind of made everybody sit up and take notice, like, There's a reason why he hasn't been seen from again since what going dash four one night. You know what? Like, yeah, this has been been a struggle to find defensemen in the system for this team collectively, and that's why they've had to go out and overpay for the like of a Myers and the likes of a Schmidt, uh, you know, and and where they're at, and why Alex Edler for pretty much the last five to seven years has essentially played what 25 minutes a night for this team up until the minutes starting to reduce this season. 
And they're not alone. I mean, with the exception of the Colorado Avalanche that just seemed to walk down the street and get incredible 20-year-old hockey players to sit on the blue line. I mean, that's the norm. And I think, James, exactly that's the concern. Like, can you go, hey, Rathbone, he's been great in his first month of a pro hockey player. I think he can play, maybe. But, you know, if you've got that the case and you still have Quinn Hughes, who will always have defensive deficiencies, so he needs that steady guy beside him, you need veteran players. And when you talk about the Canucks that are up for grabs, you're not going to keep them all. But you can't get rid of all these veterans and just think, all right, leadership's going to happen automatically. That's why Travis Green used the term immaturity when this team was really floundering early on. You need some veterans to help guide the way. So look at and see what's there. But to just dispose of guys on the blue lines because you don't like a number, uh, it's going to take this team another step backwards. You need some veterans. Every team needs veterans in the NHL, and it costs some price. Tyler Myers is not his fault. He was the big right-handed shooting defenseman and the only one available when he was an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, back up with the price. Here you go, Tyler. You're not worth it. But $6 million, according to the market. Nate Schmidt, same situation. Maybe that's too much money, but you need a guy like that on the back end because you need veteran experience. Uh, Nelson and Kelowna at 650-650. Team has to rebuild. It's a young man's game. Schmidt is 30 next year. Get rid of the big contract. You've got but you pay him with what? Well, and that's that's the issue, right? Like Schmidt's Schmidt's going to be, you know, Schmidt's still a twenty plus minutes a night guy. I guess it's I guess. Hey, look, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen to see what the return is. But are you taking a third round pick? Like, would you give up a third round pick and cut bait on Nate Schmidt right now? What you traded Nate Schmidt? What you gave up to get Nate Schmidt? Like, is there value there? I mean, how long is it going to take for a third round pick to hit on? Um, Dan in Fort St. John. Dan, by the way, saying it's it's a 9 o'clock start for them where they are up in Fort St. John. So Ouch. I empathize with you. Sorry, Dan. Um, he says, are you still going to want Mott in the bottom six when he's making 2 to $3 million after next season? If not, now is the time to move him. I, I think with what you see from Tyler Mott, I could live with Tyler Mott at $2 million in the bottom six. If he's producing the way he is, I, I can live with that contract. Well, when his contract comes up, you've got rid of three million for Russell and and you know the Beagle, the Jay Beagle contract, right? Brandon, so Sutter's you can gone have yeah. yeah, you can have a couple guys making two or three mil. You just can't have all six making the money they're making right now. So yeah, I'm fine with it. Uh, another one. Uh, how about no Myers at all? Should have signed Gardner. Nah. Listen, I, I think Tyler Myers, because is always going to be a whipping boy here. I like how he's played. I don't like his contract, but that's not Tyler Myers' fault. I think you need him around here. And, and yeah, should have, could have, would have, you can't. And to say, let's move these guys for picks, you need to move them for NHL players. They are NHL players, not hmm, something in midair, and, and we're going to get something in 2023 that's going to happen. I mean, how long have we waited? And Jet Wu's playing pretty good hockey. But you can look at anybody in the AHL. They're not coming in and plugging in right away to help out a team at the NHL level. You know, the other thing, Jake Gardner has been healthy scratched, I believe, in Carolina, and he averages less than 16 minutes a game. Now, that's a that's a deep blue line. But, you know, here's the one thing I would say about Tyler. Tyler Myers only got, I think, a half-million-dollar raise hitting the open market. Right? He was still at five-and-a-half in Winnipeg. Yeah. At the time. And and they lost him at a time where, you know, Big Buff kind of went by the wayside. And Jacob Truba then all of a sudden forced his way out. But you, you look at where that was. Anyway, 650-650. Uh, weigh in with your thoughts. Are you okay with, with the idea of Mott, Hamannick, Schmidt, 
Myers, all sorts of names uh, discussed on the 31 Thoughts podcast uh, or on the 31 Thoughts column on sportsnet.ca. Uh, it is 15 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this uh, Wednesday morning. How you doing, everybody? I'm James Sabalski along with Perry Solkowski, and it's uh, game day once again uh, here on Sportsnet 650 as the Habs and the Canucks go back at it this time, as we mentioned. It's an 8 o'clock start, much to the dismay of our guest at this time, uh, covering the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Jessica Rusnak who joins us bright and early this morning. Jess, good morning. Good morning. Yes, this uh, 11 o'clock start time, I think it's the first I've ever seen the Canadians start a game at that hour in the night. Ugh, that's just gross, isn't it? It is, and I work morning radio, so uh, it's not going to be great. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. Jessica, I guess the question is here. You know, we've, we've seen the best of the Montreal Canadiens from Vancouver's standpoint. We've sat here talking about the Canucks going, listen, their their record does not reflect this hockey team. They're better than they are. Um, are the Montreal Canadiens in that same boat right now? We saw them, and they were so good to start the year, and then they floundered. Are they still trying to figure out exactly where they are this year? I, I think so. I've definitely seen an improvement with this team since they made the coaching change about three weeks ago or so now. Um, there has been, you know, steps in the right direction. They haven't necessarily won as many games to kind of look, point at, to say, oh, look at this, they've went on this kind of record. I think it hurts because they have yet to win a game when it goes into overtime or a shootout so far this year. They've uh, lost to all seven times. Um, but there has been minor improvements with the Montreal Canadiens, but I think their biggest thing is consistency. We're not exactly sure what this team is. You know, they came out to start the season scoring all kinds of goals, winning a bunch of games. And then it was like they met the Ottawa Senators and the Senators figured their game out in early February. And then they weren't really able to recover. They fired Claude Julien. They fired Kirk Muller, brought in Dominic Ducharme and Alex Burroughs. And things have changed. And then, of course, uh, last week with the, the goalie coach getting fired as well and bringing in Sean Burke. So I think right now they're in an adjustment period and trying to learn the new system that Dominic Ducharme is trying to put in. But with this condensed season, it's just not easy because they're playing a lot of games in a short period of time and don't have that much practice time to dedicate to it. You know, the, the interesting thing I find that, runs so parallel with Montreal and Vancouver is there's no other distractions for either team in said market, right? You look at other big markets, you know, the Leafs can still have distractions in Toronto with the Blue Jays or if the Raptors go on a run like we saw a couple of years ago. We don't have that here in Vancouver, and, you know, there's no Expos, and the Alouettes have been an essential rebuild for the last eight years, so there's no distraction <laughs> at all for the Bleu Blanc et Rouge Give me a sense of what the fan base is feeling since the, the, the move was made to go with Dominic Ducharme behind the bench. And, um, you know, Carey Price seems to have settled down a bit with all the panic and the concern. Now they're bringing in Sean Burke, who's still quarantining as he watches Yellowstone. Um, give me a sense of what the fan base is feeling right now. Is Have, have, the, have, have the masses calmed a little bit, Jess, or is, are they still kind of wound up here? Uh, I think it's calmed a little bit. It goes from one extreme to another that everyone was on this bandwagon talking about, you know, how are we going to have a Stanley Cup parade with the, the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic happening right now? And then everyone jumps off that bandwagon saying, you know, they're a bunch of bums. This team is not living up to its hype. Um, but we did get a little bit of a distraction with the soccer team here, changing their name from Impact to Club de Foot. So that was a distraction for a few days, figuring out why they decided to go with club foot 
as their name. Um, that just I sounds know. wrong on so many levels, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. I'm going for club foot, and I'm going with a club foot, yeah. Yeah, and with their new logo being a snowflake, so that was a little bit of a, a minor distraction for the Montreal Canadiens, but I think right now people are a little bit more even keel, but they are getting a little bit frustrated because it's every single year they say the same thing, we'll be better, we'll be better, and they do have stretches where they start off really well, and then they just can't keep it up. Last season, they went through two eight-game winless streaks. And I think right now, Mark Bergevin is really feeling it. He's in the hot seat um, because he can't keep firing everyone. In two weeks, he fired three coaches. And the finger can't always be pointed at everyone else. He's got a great relationship with uh, Habs owner Jeff Molson. And I think that's why he's lasted longer than maybe some other GMs that might have not had that same kind of relationship with Jeff Molson. But at this point, I think people really want to see fun, like entertaining hockey. And uh, for a period of time, that was not the case for the Montreal Canadiens. So I would say the fan base is getting a little bit frustrated. And especially here in Montreal, we have the curfew. You're not allowed out past 8 p.m. at night. So, you know, having hockey on the TV at least gives you something to do. And get angry. It's good. <laughs> yes, you're angry. And, and Jess, if you, you do what you can behind the bench now. But is it just par for the course? We had Jose Theodore on yesterday that you're going to point to the goalie uh, first when they're losing, as I have with Carey Price? I think so. And the fact that he's the highest paid player on the team as well, a lot of people were saying to trade him. Well, it's almost impossible to trade Carey Price because he's got uh, the no movement clause, so he would have to agree to it. And then you would have to have another team agree to his salary. And I don't think many teams would be able to take his salary on and, and be able to sign some other players. So Carey Price is not playing this way to try and get traded. Um, but they need to see more from Carey Price. And I think that's the frustration as well. Uh, during the summertime when the NHL was able to restart, he played amazing. And they went out and got Jake Allen to ha- give him a reliable backup goaltender, something that, that Carey Price has not had for many years. And a lot of people were saying, oh, well, he'll be more rested. You saw what he was like in the summertime after having a break. And then he wasn't doing that. And I also think his personality. Now, I have no problem with Carey Price's personality. He's a more reserved person. He only says a few words when things are going well and says even less when things are going bad. But sometimes I think that rubs people the wrong way, and they think that he doesn't care. And trust me, by being around the locker room after a loss, you hear Carey Price you know, yelling a four-letter word that you can't say on the radio because of how frustrated he is. Or if he lets in a bad goal, he breaks the stick. But he really does care, and I think people just misinterpret his personality that he doesn't care, and that gets them even more worked up when he's not playing well. Jess, appreciate this. Um, take a nap before the puck drops tonight because uh, <laughs> it'll be a it'll be a tough turnaround for you. Uh, we we were we were lamenting about our own situation, but mm-hmm. you know we we turn off the TV at eleven tonight where. You know, you're just warming up at 11 with morning radio the next morning. So you get you get yeah. the empathy you get the empathy vote from the two morning guys on this end of the country. So thanks for doing this. <laughs> no problem. Uh, coffee will be key. Yes, yes. Thanks, Stay hydrated. Uh, there she is, Jessica Rusnak from CBC Radio in Montreal on uh, where the Montreal Canadiens are at. And look, this is a critical a critical game. I think if you're on the hope train here or hope and optimism or the belief that maybe this team can somehow find a way to dig themselves out of it pair. Uh, they've won three straight here for the Vancouver Canucks, but we're in a situation that it's a three point gap with the Montreal Canadians. We know the Habs got five games in hand. 
But here's the classic math on the proverbial four-point game here, right? You win, you're a point back of Montreal in the standings, despite the fact that the Habs still have those five games in hand. You lose, you're five points back, not to mention another potential ten points up for grabs for the Montreal Canadiens. Not to say that they get all ten of those points, but, you know, it, it feels... It feels like you should be able, if you're an organization, if the Habs come away with the win tonight, I think it's easy if you're a Canucks management member to say, look, let's start selling these assets now. The good, it was, well, it was I don't fun, know if you, it I don't know, while it lasted. Yeah. I don't know if you base it on one game. The difficulty becomes, I think the Habs got the Oilers, and those are the two teams you are likely chasing. They'll play each other, I believe, six more times. Someone's leaving with points. There's no, oh, I was pretty close. You don't get anything. We don't get it. So how are you making those points up? Um, you know, interesting. You know, the one thing I took from Jess as she's breaking it down about the Habs, and someone texts in when she goes, yeah, curfew at 8 o'clock. I'm thinking, really? They still got a curfew in Montreal and Quebec that you can't go out after 8? And then I'm going, well, I haven't been out after 8 in like a year. But I was surprised to hear that. They, uh, well, I mean, it's uh, Quebec certainly had their issues, right? Like they were the the Florida, yeah, the Florida of drum. Canada for a while there, right? I, I think, you know, there's some encouraging signs numbers wise across the country and even in Quebec. But yeah, no, you're right. Like honestly, you look at where we've at, and I know people are getting a little restless, but we've had it pretty good comparatively to the rest of the country for most of it. You know, Ontario. You know, we've been able to go to restaurants. We've been able to go skiing. Like, just some yeah. of this stuff has just started to open up over the last few days. And think about that, man. Cold-ass winters in the east. We've had it good out here. We've had it very good. This is a year anniversary of when the league stopped for the Vancouver Canucks. And I can remember it was actually their telethon. So I was doing the telethon with Scott Rintoul on the broadcast and talking to a member and, and, and having some supper with members of the Canucks organization. And I said, you know, what, you guys got any plans? And he goes, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're planning for the worst and hoping for the best. Who would have thought? Uh, I certainly did in that conversation as to what was to lie ahead for us, but lying ahead now two imperative points against Montreal. We'll see if they can get it done. Uh, all right. Pre-game show starting at six here on Sportsnet 650 this evening. Puck drop again. Just a reminder, eight o'clock. Yeah, there you go. Lots of time to tuck the kids in and hunker down and, and, and get ready to see if the Canucks can make it four in a row. All right. 26 minutes after six o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Coming up in a moment, uh, we'll get to more of your texts at 650-650. And Bears receiver Allen Robinson continues a long-storied history of star players putting up great numbers in bad situations across the sporting universe. I'll explain what Seaball says. It's all still ahead here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. If you're struggling to understand some of the hosts here at Sportsnet 650, you're not alone. But don't worry, there's an app for that with the Sportsnet 650 Translator app. Just hold your phone up to your speaker and let the app take care of the rest. A couple of minutes, Renel Laval of TFA is going to talk to us about what's going on in Montreal. Renaud Lavoie of TVA Sports. We both were talking about Chase Horlack. You know, uh, there, there just seems to be a little bit jump in that fourth line. Canucks forward, Jace Howerluck. Even some of the guests here on Sportsnet 650 can say some dumb sh**. I mean, head-scratching things. The app's got you covered there as well. Do you want them to have, you know, no fear in going after guys like Forbot? So, I, mean, I still don't even know how to say the guy's name. 
Forbot, robot, whatever the hell his name is. Winnipeg Jets defenseman Derek Forbort. The Sportsnet 650 Translator app, now available in the App Store and Google Play. Please be aware, not everything Perry says can be translated. Even modern high-powered computers can only decipher about 80% of his speech. Refunds not available. Not an actual app. Only 80% of the things you say can be translated? Really? <laughs> oh, that, that's I'll take 80%. You know, Travis Green got caught with the old chase, too, on uh, what had been yesterday. I think it was uh, I think it was post-game on, um, what day are we, on Monday? He called him, he called him Chase rather than Jace. Yeah. Uh, Who's a Yorkton boy, by the way, right? He was born in Yorkton where I had worked. You worked in Yorkton. It's amazing how many uh, talented sports broadcasters have found their way through Yorkton. I think Darren Millard worked in Yorkton. Darren Drager, Uh, I think, was in Yorkton. You were in Yorkton. Sean McCormick from Sports Page fame was in Yorkton. Man, there's a lot of people for a small town that have worked through there. Well, you're you're missing the Grandmaster, who was my first boss and started it all, and that's Chris Cuthbert. Chris Cuthbert, Cuthbert was in Yorkton too. Sure, Chris Cuthbert got me my job because what? the guy who was the guy who was the manager of the Yorkton radio and television station was the same age as Cuthbert, so they were buddies growing up. And Chris went on, and he was working at CBC Edmonton, and that guy stayed, being a Yorkton native, and he was then the manager. So I had uh, put together a tape and was on air. I was helping with Cuthbert and Miller in the CBC Sports office. And he said, you know what, send us to Yorkton. There's a job there. I know the manager. So, uh, you know, I'm quite sure when Chris said, this guy's okay. Yeah, that's how it all started. So Cuthbert, Miller, uh, Drager, I think, was there. Millard was there. Um, Yeah, there's a good run. Kenny Danico was the star player in Yorkton. And the star player for me in Yorkton when I was covering that team was Glenn Gulletson, assistant coach of once the Vancouver Canucks, currently the Edmonton Oilers. Is he still a Good white rock? Is he still a white rock resident, uh, Glenn? Uh, I believe the family, the Gullitsons, have stayed in Calgary. As of okay. last year, Gully was actually just making the road trip and jumping in the car, jumping on a plane, and seeing okay. the family. I think they got really comfortable. All right. So there it is, Chase. Don't call me Jace Horlock <laughs> from Yorkton. <laughs> <laughs> so according to uh, Renault Laveau. Of TFA, TFA, of TFA, TFA, TFA. What's what's the TSA? What, what's in your TFA? Totally, totally, totally freaking awesome. TFA Sports. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, everybody, it's past time for to register for your RSPs and, and putting in your tax-free savings account as well. Uh, uh, six fifty, six fifty. The Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, people split on uh, on on what you're willing to to, to cut bait with with this roster. Uh, how about this one? Uh, Myers and Schmidt both overrated and overpaid. If the Canucks could get oh. rid of them at this trade deadline, it would be huge for the team. Myers is a waste of money. Schmidt, meh. And who's playing defense then? Like honestly, the people that jump get rid of Myers. Get who's? What are you waiting for? Jet woo. There's someone who said Nikita Triampkin. Could you move on to reality here? Yeah, yeah. guys who can play in the NHL, please. Uh, Halsey going with that text. Uh, bring back Nikita Triampkin on third pairing. Has matured captain of his team. Thanks. Uh, you know, I feel like that's a yellow card just bringing up Nikita Triampkin. What is it? What is it? Four years now since Nikita Triampkin? Like, the whole talk, he signed an extension to stay another year in the KHL. With uh, Like, I feel like at some point that ship has sailed. Has it not for Nikita Triampkin? And you're talking about a guy who, yes, he stood up because of his size and played on possibly at a time when this team was as crappy as it has ever been in its 50-year existence, right? 
It's like going, you know what? Lyndon Vay showed us a little bit, and, and Magna was there. If you go surround him, no, it makes absolutely zero sense. You may not like the money that's attached to Myers and or Schmidt. They are NHL defensemen. To think that you can move people. It goes back to JT Miller. Oh, I can't believe Jim gave up a first-rounder. Hey, maybe he could have got him for a little less. But you got an NHL player. I do honestly think that move was poor. So if you're going, oh, give me a pick for Nate Schmidt. Really? How does this team get better with the pick? You need a body that can plug and play and take some minutes up. And Nate Schmidt is just starting to play better hockey in a Canucks uniform. Uh, Torgan Langley, I wouldn't even take a first rounder for Schmidt. If it has to be a guy that can play now, a defenseman, uh, that's what it has to be. People complain exactly. about Benning saying two more years, yet they want picks. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I, I, I subscribe to that logic as well. All right, 637, let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. But I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. You know, Perry, you were kind of giving me grief on this at the outset of the show, but you know, Seaball says is my segment. It's what I want to talk yeah, about. I and I want to talk about my team here, buddy. And uh, the team that has driven me nuts for the better part of the last 35 years, the Chicago Bears. The Bears. The Bears. See, the Bears decided to slap the franchise tag on wide receiver Allen Robinson yesterday, something that the big playmaker is not exactly a fan of. I mean, who is, really, to be honest with you, in the NFL? It gives the club leverage, and despite the financial raise it will provide for the receiver, it really doesn't offer any long-term incentive. So, look, Robinson deserves a raise. He might be a unicorn. Right. Think about this for a second. This is a playmaker who caught more than 100 passes for 1,250 yards last year, and he did it chasing balls thrown by Nick Foles and Mitchell freaking Trubisky. Before playing in Chicago, Robinson had a 1,400-yard receiving year hauling in passes from Blake Bortles. No, Robinson doesn't walk on water. What he is, though, is a victim of circumstance playing for teams that just don't really lend for success no matter how good they are. Now, he needs help, and while there are reports suggesting that the Bears are going hard to make a play for Russell Wilson, the odds of that actually happening seem slim. Robinson can take solace, though, in knowing that there is a long history of legendary athletes that have walked in those same cleats, same shoes, or skates, star players stuck in crappy, lousy situations. Look at Archie Manning, NFL MVP quarterback, Hall of Famer too, and he lost more than 66 games than he won. That is a horrible one-loss record. How about three hours south of us, or two hours with Nexus and no traffic once the border opens, the Mariners wasted prime years of Felix Hernandez, the king. The Jays did the same with the late Roy Halladay. Don Mattingly, a.k.a. Donnie Baseball. He was the New York Yankees for a generation. Nine-time gold glover, MVP, all-star, perennial, and a grand total of five playoff games in his career. Five. Of course, when he retires, the Yankees go on to win three of the next five World Series. And isn't it ironic? Don't you think? A little too ironic. And yeah, I really 
How about Ted Williams, one of the greatest hitters in the history of baseball? Teddy Ballgame. He mustered only seven career playoff games in 19 years on the ice. Just imagine how Marcel Dion's career would have gone had he been selected by the Montreal Canadiens instead of Guy Lafleur, and then he wouldn't be stuck in Detroit and L.A. during all that time. Or how would Dale Howardchuck have fared not spending his prime years with Winnipeg in the Smythe division in the 80s? Or Jerome McGinley, who won only three playoff series in 16 years with the Calgary Flames. And by the way, they all came in one year in 2004. So, Allen Robinson, you're definitely not alone. I'm rooting for you to find a quarterback, but it's the Bears. So don't hold your breath, because Jay Cutler is in the conversation as the greatest quarterback in franchise history. But at least you can take comfort in knowing that Hall of Famers can emerge from bad situations, too. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. Fala, can we tape this and send it to Allen Robinson? We're the only radio station in North America. We got this much love. Man, you you love your Bears. Uh, you love Allen Robinson. I understand that he's not the first guy I think of to put up great numbers especially in the NFL and not get there. I mean, automatically I go to Barry Sanders. But, but I do understand your point of, of being really good and, and just never getting there, and I think it is so difficult. You know, Jerome McGillan is, is a great case, but it's almost like if you make it to a Stanley Cup final, uh, that means you got there. I mean, did Pavel Burry ever have any success, but he got to a Stanley Cup final? Right? You know, is Marcus Naslin a guy who goes, yeah, he was but, really you good. Know, I would say, you know, teams. but I would say this. Like, the Naslin played at a time where the Canucks eventually evolved into a perennial uh, playoff team, right? They yeah. didn't have playoff success ex- except for winning just the one round. Uh, I wouldn't lump I wouldn't lump Nazi into, like, the Hall of Fame class, like, in terms of, you know, legendary status. He, very popular player here, face of the franchise at one time. But Pavel Bure, I think there is an argument, that, and some people have him on various lists of, you know, did the Canucks maximize his prime years? You know, the 94 run was was a, it was a kind of an aberration, right? Like, that was not sustainable for that team. Like, they never did anything outside of that. Nothing before, nothing after, and the team as a whole quickly... What's the best word to... Um, it eroded quickly, right? I mean, Pavel yes. wanted out. Pavel wanted out because he's looking at it, going, "Man, I'm wasting prime years here with this team, putting up big numbers, and we're not going anywhere." Right? So you could, I think, and make a you could make a case there. I mean, Iggy's, I think, is a textbook example, though. I mean, my goodness, how many? Like, he was the only guy, and even in in 2004, it was basically Kiprasov, Iggy. And what, a bunch of guys who put on their hard hats and blue-collar shirts and went to work. Yeah, uh, Pat LaFontaine, another one. I mean, I guess the poster boy for this conversation will be in Edmonton if they never achieve the ultimate Stanley Cup, right? To go, yeah. you had Connor yeah, McDavid, and you never got it done, right? So uh, there's a long ways away until we get to that. So uh, we'll see. Interesting. I, you know, I could care less about Allen Robinson unless I have him in fantasy. And he picks up a lot of yards <laughs> in the fourth quarter, doesn't he? I mean that's where the Bears make their offensive yards and had for the last three or four years. I think well, a lot of teams. I think a lot of teams kind of do that, right? You know, Fair. you start scoring back and forth, but no, no. I look. I mean, it's it's just 
I mean, I, I'm just blown away by a guy who's able to kind of put that sort of that sort of statistical uh, production up when you have that sort of inept quarterback play year after year after year. All right, Ed Jovanovski is going to join us just after seven o'clock. And what do we got next there, Master P? Man, I tell it, I love when people chirp, but when it's a celebration of a player on his thousandth game, was it unfair to chirp? You can do whatever you want when your nickname is The Dominator. We'll give you those details. It's not BS. It's PS. An official home of the Vancouver Canucks on a game day. It's Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just PS. With Perry Solkowski. I think we're getting a whole lot of That's a lot of BS. BS. Right That's there. a ton of BS, Pally. You're absolutely right. Uh, Sabalski and Solkowski, 10 minutes to 7 o'clock. Um, while we uh, figure out the uh, how to uh, solve the uh, magical disappearing trick of Perry Solkowski, we should remind you, it is game day. Canucks and Habs, Vancouver looking to make it... Uh, what? Four straight wins. Try to keep this dream alive. A little hope and optimism. Or, uh, or I guess, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, Team Tank out there uh, as well uh, for people uh, looking for uh, the Hughes brothers to be uh, one and the same here for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Vancouver, obviously, uh, the news coming down yesterday, Elias Pettersson will miss at least another week with an upper body injury. But, hey, they're 3-0 without him in the lineup so far right now. So that's certainly encouraging how this team has responded to see how JT Miller has absolutely erupted offensively and really ignited the rest of the team. You know, Brock Besser's kind of humming again. He's scoring once more. And some of the efforts that we've seen from Brock Besser over the last few games. You know, look, he's been streaky at best this season, and the offense has kind of dried up for the better part of the last month and a bit. But Bo Horvat with a nice shootout winner. Can you hear Is me? Is this something that Hello? he can build on? Can you hear me? So he's alive. Fallow, we found him. There he Did you? We, we got Sorry. you. Sorry. A little bit of BS, a little bit of PS there. Let's get into it. You want accountability? How about Carter Hart talking about his performance for Philadelphia after getting pulled after the first period? I just trust my game because, I don't know, it's just right now. And um, I don't feel like myself, and i got to find a way to get back into playing playing the game that I love and trusting the game that I've built. Um, yeah. Save percentage of 8-8-8. Three goals, eight shots. Kim Delaba is the goaltending coach of the Flyers. Man, he's only 22. But James, he has not played well for the Flyers, with the exception of the fact that the team has actually played okay with Brian Elliott in goal. Yeah, but do you, tr- do you trust based on the history of for the Philadelphia Flyers need Carter Hart if they have any shot at winning, right? Like Brian, Brian Elliott's not taking them to a Stanley Cup. No, and, and you're talking about just it's it's been a story for decades. When will they get that goaltending and they thought they solved it with Carter Hart? You know how you solve a goaltending problem? You get a guy like Dominic Hasek. Yesterday, they celebrated Patrick Kane's 1,000th game. They had messages. It was great to see Jonathan Taves with a message for Patrick Kane. But Dominic Hasek was firing out chirps because Hasek met Kane when he was eight years old through Kane's father, who was a car salesman and sold the Dominator a car. 
And so Dominic, in his message, reminded Patrick of the story. You didn't turn out to be a good player. You turned out to be one of the best ever. Just know that I let you score your first shootout winner because of your dad just gave me such a good deal on the car. I knew he would appreciate it. Congratulations, <laughs> Patrick. Oh, I, I missed Dominic Hasek. Cup Crazy 2000. He was great. Loved his enthusiasm for the game. I love that he chirped Patrick Kane on his 1,000th game. Well, the fact that he chirped him, man, he's, he sounded like a villain who would be primed for season three of The Mandalorian, oh. man. Like, he, he was uh, – Hasek was Hashik was phenomenal. But, you know, it's funny. He eventually grew into being more comfortable with his personality and his persona because, man, there were times in, in Buffalo, like, he, he attacked a reporter, the late uh, Jim Kelly. He went after him over a column that – Kelly had questioned him and, uh, yeah, like went after him. Like, there was a much different Dominic Hasek a long time ago. I remember being in the bowels of the Edmonton Coliseum covering an Oilers practice once, and Chicago was playing Dominic's the goal, and I looked and go, is that, uh, is that Vladislav Tretiak? Yeah, I go, what's he doing? Oh, he's kind of like a goaltending consultant in Chicago. He had a pretty good guy to learn from early on in his career. And finally, this is not BS, it's PS. The Gardens, the Bruins, how about the Brusque? York in the middle for Krejci, back to Eden Street. Jake DeBrusque is on the board! His first National Hockey League goal! You know what board Jake DeBrusque is on now? The trade board. Cassidy yesterday talking about Jake, we'll try everything different. They benched him. He says we've met one-on-one with them. He's met one-on-one with coaches. He's talked with some veteran guys. At the end of the day, we're not quite getting what we want out of Jake. Just over $3 million. I think there'll be some people knocking on the door if the Bruins want to move Jake DeBrus. Well, he's got one more year at, what, uh, almost $3.7 million. I mean, he's 24. There's still, I think, a lot of upside, but he's hit a wall. Uh, you know, and his name kind of came up at the beginning of the season, right? Is his name possibly being uh, a player that could be moved and maybe the Canucks would have some interest? Um Jake, Jake. I mean, the dollars are pretty close. I just think that one's got much more value than the other, so I don't think a one-for-one would ever come close to being a conversation. No, it can't be the Jake, Jake, but I do think there could be something there kicking the tires. That's and that's a kick not in the tires, but that's a kick somewhere else on Jake DeBrus to be sitting. Bruins didn't win yesterday without him either. You know, a lot lot of promise. Yeah, a lot of promise what we've seen the last couple years, too, from no BS, just PS on this day with a little bit of a rough start there. Technical issues. That was my favorite PS. No BS, the first half of it at least. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought you when you when you mentioned bowels, I thought it was a hell of a segue there too. Um, four minutes to seven o'clock. Yeah. Ed Jovanovski, Jovocop joins the discussion next here on your home of the Canucks. It is game day. Canucks and Habs here on Sportsnet six fifty. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. I think we've had an idea how we wanted to play the game, and it hasn't changed a lot from last year. I think we've wanted to tighten up certain areas in our game. I think we've done that over the last course, course of the last 15 games. You know, I think our team's played a lot better. These guys are here to break it all down. A few teams would be interested in, in the services of Nate Schmidt, and, and I think that you know teams have reached out to Jim Benning. You know, from the Canucks' point of view, how do you replace that? Jovo Cop. And Jovanovsky. All right, love you guys. See ya. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. All right, three minutes after 7 o'clock. It is game day as the Canucks and the Habs go back at it. 
once more for the seventh time this season uh, in Vancouver, picking up just their second win against Montreal back on uh, Monday night. But it's a late one tonight, 8 o'clock puck drop, 6 o'clock pregame here on Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski, and in a moment, the third member of the Ski Patrol pair. It's going to be a late one for him, 11 o'clock in Florida uh, for Eddie. Yeah, and, and you know what, James? It'll be interesting to watch tonight because, you know, Travis Green talking yesterday, I think we, we got an idea of what our team is. This team without Pedersen right now is a, a team that keeps it tight five on five. We saw in the overtime, no one really wanted to go after it. You know, your goal scored with the man advantage. Canucks pull their goalie to get their goal to tie it up. Canadians get it on the power play. I don't, you know, if someone has a tendency to bet, I'd bet the under on this one tonight as to what we're going to see in Vancouver. Well, I look at the trend for both these goaltenders, right? I mean, Carey Price yeah. was dialed in. He's looked much better over the last few games. And Thatcher Demko, well, I mean, I think we're all kind of of the opinion now, you know, it's it's not bubble Demko anymore based on what we've seen over a 15-game period now where he's got a 930 save percentage. Ed Jovanovsky joins us here as he does each and every Wednesday morning here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650 and today is no different. So you you guys just to just to make sure we're on the same page here Jovo, your uh, your golf buddy or maybe your next-door neighbor Jose Theodore was on this show yesterday basically saying that you guys are taking bets for all comers, taking all challengers, uh, <laughs> going head-to-head -head against any duo willing to try to that's, – that's up for losing money to you guys on a golf course. Oh, my buddy. Good morning, guys. Uh, morning. Yeah, man, we're, we're tough. We're tough. <laughs> and uh, when, when you get – when we're partners, we like to, as the old saying, I'm sure if you guys heard, is ham and egg. So we just <laughs> yeah. don't want to – we don't want to egg on, on the same hole. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're tough to beat. We, we have um, a very good record over the years. You two have to at some point. Uh, I know you've got to have enough connections. Uh, at some point, get down to the ultimate Floridian who loves to swing the clubs and bet and somehow hook up with Jordan, get on his course and play. I mean, it's you, the mental you know capacity. What? That he, you got to make that happen. Eddie. Right. You, you know what I've heard, too? It's not that hard. You know, I talked to Ryan Whitney, who uh, who we did a couple things with uh, last Spit week. Spit chicklets. He, he, yeah, yeah, right. He he played with MJ. Um, Uppy played with MJ. So I, I think it's basically go up to his club and what you want to play for and what game. And I think you're he's good for it. What's the threshold to, to, to get to yeah. – what's the financial threshold to get MJ to come out and play? Well, you would have to go to his course, yeah. uh, his new one there, Grove 23. It's about, about 40 minutes for me. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I was told that you got to go there with at least a dime in your pocket. Okay. At least a dime. You know? that seemed, that's, I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, you got to be talking at least five figures, I think, if you're looking to you play with, uh, with MJ, right? So, but, yeah, I mean, it, um, you know, until you're in that position, right, you know, it's – you got to make this putt not to go three down and and five k down. It's it's a different animal, especially for the guy who really doesn't care about you know money. Um, but yeah, I've heard that he's uh, he's open for all customers that want to play him. We'll start a GoFundMe for you, Eddie, and see if we can get your money together. I don't I don't think that is working. Hey, uh, it's funny what can happen in seven days. Um, what do you make of how this hockey team has? turned it around at least in how they played since we last spoken 
Well, it's good to see it. And, you know, last time we spoke, you know, I, I, I said, listen, you know, sitting around waiting for, for the shoe to drop and changes to be made rather than putting the hard hat on and going to work. And the team has, has found a way to get some good feeling in that locker room, win some games. And sure enough, now you look at the standings, they're right there. Mind you, they've played a you know, handful more games, but still you're winning games. You have that confidence and, you know, you just want to keep it rolling. How, how, how far ahead as a player are you looking at the stand? Because you, you guys know what the numbers are in the room. Like, like, do you understand the math at this point, or can you actually just try to take it as the, the day by day? Because from a big picture standpoint, like, it looks like that's a, hot, that's a big mountain to try to climb. It's like trying to, to try to climb a rock, rock climb the chief all of a sudden right now in Squamish, right? Like, how, how do players look at that, the, the numbers and the math? Well, you start, you definitely look at it, not going to lie, if you don't look at the standings, I think you always want to know where you're at and, you know, if how important the game is, especially, you know, down the stretch here, the games are, are so huge. But but look at, I, I mean, are you, do you have confidence in a team like Edmonton? Like, are them not, you know, they're, it, it's possible to, to make up points. I mean, there's going to be teams that, you know, falter and don't get points. And when you're, when you're up against these four point games, you know, they're huge. You got to find a way to win these games. So um, nothing's impossible. Everything's doable. But uh, certainly heading into the rink, you don't want to look too far ahead because it's just going to mentally drain you. Uh, we got this mountain to climb. I think you worry about the two points that are available that night and try to bag those and, and worry about the next one. And hopefully along the way, you get some help. But you got to hey, continue- worry about your own business, right? Yeah, Jovanovski joining us as he always does every Wednesday morning. Jovo, um, a lot of conversation here in the last seven days about the play of JT Miller. He spoke on the weekend how he's more engaged when he plays at center ice. Petey's gone for at least another week, according to Travis Green. When he returns, is it automatic that you just put the lotto line back and you throw Miller on the wing, or do you tell Petey to go play on the wall and keep JT Miller out through center ice? Well, I think a player that's you know, struggled, you know, this year. Now that's, you know, is feeling better. Um, you might want to let it roll him at, you know, that position and, you know, put Petey, you know, on the wing. Uh, you know, that's something Greeny's going to, you know, have to figure out, you know, but I, I think, you know, for a player who's feeling good, maybe you let it roll for a little bit and continue having him produce and have that good feeling for him. But, um, you have another superstar that's you thrown into a different, you know, situation. Um, you know, how does that work out? So um, I'm a big believer on when things are going kind of right at that moment, kind of hold, hold still, let that play out. And then, you know, when things kind of unravel, then you kind of make that change again. So it's going to be wherever that he, you know, feels that, you know, PD can slot in. Um rumblings out of Elliot Friedman, our Sportsnet Hockey Insider, over the last 24 hours in his 31 Thoughts column, which you can check out on sportsnet.ca and, and kind of echoing this uh, yesterday on the program here with Andrew Walker and Sat Shaw, Eddie, that you know, Tyler Mott's name's come up as a, you know, as a name of interest for teams around the league uh, that might be interested if the Canucks are indeed selling uh, before the deadline or at the deadline. Nate Schmidt's name has also, some people have knocked on doors with that as well. <laughs> What do you th- like? Do, do you subscribe into that logic that the Canucks would be willing to to sell those types of assets here, or 
or do you look and say, okay, well, how do you gonna, how do you replace those? Like, what do you, what do you think of the logic of possibly moving those bodies before the deadline from a Vancouver standpoint? Well, you know, we all know in this business when things aren't going the way you want it to go, uh, you know, changes can be made and and kind of start things over. And and the names that come up. You know, a guy like Schmidt and even Myers, you kind of hear everybody all over him. I thought he's been playing, you know, pretty good hockey, uh, you know, of late. You don't realize kind of what you had until they're gone. I don't think it's an easy replacement, replacing a guy that skates so well like Schmidt. He's coming into a new situation. Um, I think time to get acquainted with, with everyone, It's there's going to be that adjustment period. A guy like Tyler Mott is... You can throw him anywhere up and down the lineup. He would be a great acquisition for for teams making a run. He's uh, almost like that Swiss Army knife guy. He's he's reliable guy. He's he definitely gains coaches trust. So he's he's definitely a valuable asset, you know, for teams. Um, but I I, I got to believe that they're kind of going to hold still here to see how things kind of unfold here the the next little bit. I don't I don't think right now is the time to, you know you know, hit the panic button or, or blow things up. I, I think you, and I heard Ron McLean say that on, on the show the other day is that, you know, he felt like the Canucks are coming along and um, I think they're in that position right now. Let's, let's kind of see kind of the next, you know, five, 10 games kind of see where this group is. And, and listen, if, if the number becomes almost impossible that they're going to compete for a spot, then you got to look at sometimes ma- making moves and and but you got to replace these guys and you know what's out there and that and with who you're making a trade with right I think now with the quarantine everything's kind of a little bit crazy on on doing stuff like that so uh, be interesting to see how things unfold here in the next little bit. But Eddie, I mean, you played that position at a much higher level than any of the the players we have just mentioned that are on the blue line for the Canucks. But I have to think that you may think, and some people are texting, Rathbone's been great. Yeah, he's played a month of pro hockey. And, you know, Olevi can replace Alex Edler. You can't replace defensemen who have played 200-plus games in the NHL. I would think for you, even at your level, when you compare when you've got one or two seasons under your belt to four or five, you see the game so completely different. Like, how do you get rid of those guys on a blue line unless you're replacing guys with pretty much the same pedigree and experience? Right, Perry, you're right. I, I, I think, you know, as we talked about at length many times, I think as defensemen get older, I mean, the, the maturity level, and I think they really settle into it. But, you know, these are NHL defensemen, you know, and, and, and we all know it's a, it's a tough position to fill um, you know, to find a solid group of six that you want to kind of march forward with. So, um, yeah, you know, it's sometimes you got to be careful kind of how you deal these situations because, uh, you know, they're tough to come by. Can you explain to me uh, what's turned around for the Panthers this season? I mean, you, 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 cover, you cover Panthers games as an analyst. Um, you see him firsthand. They are so maddening. They spent all that money on Bobrovsky, and he's still not the answer. But they are winning games, and lo- like they're in the conversation overall in the National Hockey League as one of the best in the league statistically this season. Here, uh, Eddie, they're I think they're fourth overall in the league. Right. I, I mean, and, and this this team I think is finally realized 
you know, what it takes, you know, to win hockey games. And they're, they're, they're getting caught and, and they're winning the close games, which usually, you know, this team finds a way to fold and, and, and get smoked by the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're standing the old games. Florida way, Florida hockey. Right. And, <laughs> right. I mean, it's, 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 it was tough to watch. And I, I think Q's finally, you know, got them believing in, in themselves that in order to make the, to make the next step, you got to find a way to win these hockey games. And, and sure enough, right now, Bob's, you know, been unbelievable the last handful of games. You can see him kind of hopefully rounding into form. They got a great backup in Drieger. It's almost been one in one a for them. Um, they're a very speedy team. And we know in the NHL today that speed really kind of sets guys back and their neutral zone pace is, is, is as best as, you know, I've seen Carolina is another team that's got great speed. Um, and they do good things in the offensive zone. Uh, there's there's areas where I think if this team's going to compete, I really do think that they need another solid guy up the middle and maybe a one or two defensemen that can really solidify things. But um, it's in, it's it's fun to see because you know this market. Um, it's too bad we're in this period of not be able to go you know to, to the stadium, but we're getting a handful of fans. But the team's playing well, and hopefully they can sustain it through through the rest of the year. You mentioned Q, that's Joel Quenwell. So that's a coach making a difference and giving that team, which is talented, confidence. Do you think Sutter has an effect on what we will see in Calgary as he gets behind the bench? According to that first practice, maybe. <laughs> oh, bag skate, hey? Are you, yeah, I mean, that's that's old school. Um, yeah, I think so. I, 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 at least at the beginning, right, Perry? I think any time you make a coaching change, the guys are scared to, you know, you want to impress the, you know, the guy coming in. You're gonna play hard. Cal- Calgary is that type of team. You, they, they're they're a crash and bang team, and and that's Sutter's way. Uh, but yeah, I, I think in the short term that you know they're they're gonna make, you know, f- probably changes where f- for the better that they'll look better. But who knows, kind of sustaining that you know, moving forward, but he definitely has the experience and in, in the championship behind him, a uh, couple of them to, um, you know, to hopefully turn things around for him. Have a good morning. We'll put, I'll put my money on you when you take down his Aaronist, Michael Jordan, and maybe you can get a free pair of shoes out of it too. That's right. <laughs> well, you'll be the first to know, buddy, if we uh, set this match up. Yeah. You yeah, think MJ's listening right now? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest probably not, but but he, anyway, you know, put it out there though. We can put it out there. Yeah. He's altered that course to him though, right? Eddie, he, you know, the fairway gets, uh, is wide as far as he hits it gets narrow. If you bomb it, I mean, he's, he's the, that, that, that's what I hear. You know, I, I haven't, I've been invited to go play there a few times. I just, you know, like in that kind of sick of golf phase, you know, a little bit, but I do have one MJ story. Uh, quickly uh, at one of uh, the course I belong to here. I was playing one day and I'm like, where's all these carts coming from? You know, I look over the side and there's MJ, but he's got like, it's like three foursomes. You know, they're all playing together, carts everywhere, dogs running around. Um, so it's pretty neat. Big stogie in his mouth. Um, yeah, you know, I think Amad Rashad was with him, guy he plays with pretty yeah. regularly, yeah. I heard. Um, 
So it's pretty neat, but here's uh, here's uh, here, Eddie. Eddie, here's Jose from yesterday, by the way. And then if you want, you can you can do your own. You can call out MJ here on the radio and you can put it out there for him. But here's here's Jose yesterday. All the other retired hockey players, they think they could bet against us. We always end up making money. So me and Eddie, we're a pretty solid team uh, when it comes down to golf. So I send a challenge. Anybody that wants to play me and Eddie. Just bring your wallet, and we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He loves to mix it up, my partner. He's the negotiator. He never had to drop the gloves, right? <laughs> he can chirp. He never had to drop the glove, take the mask off. You no, know, he, he – listen, for, for – I believe he's like a seven or eight handicap. He's, he's very deadly. Um, so that makes us tough to beat. Nice. Thanks, my friend. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Sounds good. Take care. There he is, uh, Ed Jovanovski. Jovel Cop weighing in on uh, where the Canucks are at and uh, trying to maintain that uh, that belief and that hope. And uh, speaking of hope, we go down the hall to News 1130 and bring in someone who brings us hope every morning. (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) So now it's Telus's fault for all these busy signals, right? We're blaming tennis. Or playing Tellus. Tellus. Tellus, yes. Not tennis, Tellus. Roger Federer and Tellus. It's that pronunciation app that we have. (laughs) Yeah, no, the BC government was like, "Um, blame Tellus. And Tellus is like, okay, we screwed up. And then the BC gov was like, okay, it's also our fault. And you're like, what's going on here? So this is about those busy phone lines we saw on Monday and on Tuesday with the people calling in to book their COVID appointment. Yesterday was much, much better in terms of numbers. People were actually, oh, I don't know, able to get their appointment as opposed to Monday. So, um, but yeah, Telesha said we thought we were prepared and we weren't and the onslaught was too much and the phone lines uh, completely crashed. So was it was I mean yesterday was much better was it exactly yeah. as efficient as they thought they could run it I mean or no it could be much more efficient like we, they only saw 14,000 people get their bookings which is pretty good that's that's really good but you know there's still some um, you know, issues to be figured out on the phone line side, but we are getting there. It is coming along. People are getting their appointments. And I think for them right now, it's okay, what went wrong? How do we fix it as soon as possible? And then ensure that this doesn't happen again, because now with every passing week, the phone lines, you know, remain open for new age groups and more and more people are going to be eligible. And if you can't handle the phone lines, we're going to have a major problem. The other thing we asked the BC Gov is why is it only one health authority has a website where you can book online? And they didn't really have an answer. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Inter- yeah. 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 Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> like, I, like, honestly, like, who thought that this was a good, like, you know what? Everybody's just going to call. Like, what is this? Like, going it's, it's back to, like, that. Ticketmaster days <laughs> from, my, you know, hey, you know what? Go line up at the kiosk two days in advance with your tent. Like when so. we talked to the opposition yesterday, the BC Liberals, they said, we don't get it. You had a year to figure out how to handle vaccines. Once we found out vaccines were coming, why were plans not put into place? Why was there not a test run done? You and blew it! Sort of like that. And yeah, no one really had an answer. It's just a lot of, okay, well, we're trying, you know, well, we are trying. And I, I get it. This is, again, new for everyone, but... I think the level of frustration for a lot of people, like imagine calling for four hours in a row, just getting a busy tone or saying, I'm sorry, your call hasn't gone through. You just want to smash your phone. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. 
so often in news, um, there are, are negative stories and bad stories, uh, and the ending is never what you would like. That's true. But there is one that actually, Sonia, there, you know, the, the ending is heartwarming. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is Saturday morning at uh, Main and Kiefer in downtown Vancouver. There was a 10-year-old girl with her family. They were waiting in a lineup outside of a restaurant to have breakfast because their stove isn't working at home. Uh, they're newly arrived from Mexico, and the 10-year-old girl uh, had some money, and she was going to treat her family to a meal. And um, a woman walked up. She assaulted the 10-year-old girl. She elbowed her in the face. She gave her a bloody nose, split her lip, and took the money. And uh, luckily, Vancouver police, their officers, caught the suspect. She was arrested, taken to jail. And what they did, and this is like this is heartwarming 101, the officers who responded to the call actually went to the other officers in the area, collected money, and gave the family $200. And I just nice. think that's great. Yeah, that's really nice. And the girl's okay. She was uh, treated by by paramedics. She's obviously very shaken up, but physically she's, besides the split lip, she's okay. But it was just, oh. that's nice. It's it's a nice thing that, you know, they were able to come together and raise some money for the family and just get them a meal. And get $200 beyond just passing go. Yeah, but also, I'm sorry, who assaults a child? Like, why would you rob a 10-year-old? Crappy, pe- crappy, crappy people. Crappy people. Yeah. Crap- yeah. Like, honestly. Like, you robbed like, a there's... 10-year-old? Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. No, like, there's, there's... I'm a big believer in karma in life. Like, honestly, I feel like, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. If you're good to people, it'll come back to you. And, you know, I just... I don't know. I'm a big believer that when you treat people certain ways, it's going to come back to you one way or another, so... Wow, that yeah. got that got really deep. No, no, yeah. I, I just <laughs> no I, I, no, I think it's it's very simple. Like, don't be an idiot, right? I got one message for the woman who assaulted the ten-year-old girl. Sure. How do you sleep at night? Yeah. Yeah. There you go, Balak. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I feel like that. I feel like it pro- probably. I think there'd be a different choice uh, set of choice words for uh, for some people. Family yeah, show. So, it's a family show. Yeah, it's a family show. Keeping it clean. Thanks, yeah. Aslam. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Thanks for Thanks, finding Sonia. a positive. Thanks for see. Look, hope, hope. That's what Sonia's <laughs> bringing to the table. Uh, Sonia Aslam from News Eleven Thirty with the latest of what's going on in the world this morning outside of the world of sports. It's twenty five minutes after seven o'clock. It is game day. Canucks and the Habs. It's an eight o'clock puck drop. So we've got to pace ourselves over the course of the day. But coming up in a moment, we're gonna play. Fair or foul? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your submission in. What's your take? What's your statement? Anything goes, and we'll decide whether it's fair or foul. We'll share ours next on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 731. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions in. Fair or foul, Sobalski, Solkowski, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass joining the conversation. How about uh, yesterday, word coming down from our Sportsnet Hockey insider, Chris Johnston, uh, who reported that ESPN has believed to have reached a seven-year deal to become one of the uh, National Hockey League's media partners starting next season. Um, there's no confirmation. There's no dollars attached to this just yet. But Disney uh, not only uh, finishing up with WandaVision, they got the Mandalorian. Now they're going to have some NHL. Um, they're going to have the rights to broadcast four Stanley Cup finals between next year and 2028. And pair with only four of those between 2022 and 
2028, it obviously lends for, all right, well, what about the other Stanley Cup finals? So it feels like there's going to be another dance partner here. So I guess it depends on what the finances are going to be. But I would think the NHL, by the end of this, once the deals are public, I think you should be looking at at least a financial comparable as to what Rogers, our parent company, signed for the broadcast deal here on this side of the border going back, what, seven years ago now. Tough time to do negotiations, but it sounds oh. like they've got it. And at the end of the day, James, you and I travel a lot for our job, spend a lot of time in the States. You have to be on ESPN. I understand oh. the chase to get the money and, to, oh, we're going to go with Fox and we were on Versus at one point. But, man, you still have to look hard south of the border to find NHL Couldn't hockey find it. games. Couldn't find yeah. it. Yeah. You don't have to, though, if it's on ESPN. No, and that's that's it. I mean, oh, my God. When, when, when Versus first picked up on that, it was never on in any hotel in the U.S. when I, uh, when I would travel. And uh, NBC Sports Network, it's better. But even still, like, I mean, ESPN, I mean, that is a massive brand. And I, I think it's a win for the National Hockey League to get uh, the visibility back on, you know, honestly, the, the biggest sports media giant south of the border. All right, let's get into today's fair or foul. 650-650, you can get your submissions in here. We'll share ours. And uh, here we go, Pair. Um, fair or foul. Tyler Mott will be a Vancouver Canuck after the NHL trade deadline. Completely fair. Um, I understand why he would be enticing when you look at what his contract is, but my goodness, people, think about what this team is all about next year. You're losing some valuable dollars on the bottom six. You want to fill those holes with energy players like Tyler Mott that come at a great price tag. It's exactly what every team is looking for. Why would you give up what you have? Yeah, Alec, you're- I'd say that's, that's fair as well. Uh, I think he's... Definitely someone you want to hang on to at this point where the Canucks are, especially since they're on a surge. I don't see the point in trading Tyler uh, Myers. And also, who's going to take that contract? I don't think there's many teams out there that are looking to add a defenseman <laughs> with a, a number like that attached to his name. Fair or foul, Balak didn't listen to what you said. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ty- Ty- hey. Tyler Mott with that contract on the back end. Oh, that, man. I thought that's you a- said Tyler Myers. I'm sorry. I'm, right. I'm just setting up the segment, you guys. There you go. My yeah. mistake. It's the music. It's the music. That's okay. Guys, fair or foul? Louis Erickson won't see the ice again in a Canucks uniform. Ooh, foul. He's going to play. He'll find a way in there. I'm going to go fair. I'm going to go with Perry on that one. I think uh, I think his days are numbered. I don't think I think there's many other options the Canucks have now other than rehashing Louis Erickson out there. I think in a, in a t- somewhere down the stretch, if the Canucks find a way... It's going to be a big game, and somebody's going to be unavailable, and and Travis Green will lean towards trust and stability when it comes to just trying to protect and defend. And I, I Louis Erickson will see another game. Trust in Louis. Trust, trust in, in Louis. Louis. Yeah. Fair foul, you guys. I got I got a bone to pick with Satin Walks. I was listening yesterday. Uh, I think they're way way off base with their thoughts on Nickelback. Have a listen to this. Do I like Nickelback? No. Do I hate Nickelback? Time and no, place. Do I? But I don't have this visceral reaction to Nickelback like a lot of people have. I will say, in a hockey dressing room, as you're strapping on the pads and someone brings uh, an iPod and starts jamming the tunes, you're damn right Nickelback's on that playlist. No. No. Don't be the guy on the beer league team that brings in the boombox and plays Nickelback, I guarantee at least half your team will hate you. That would be a foul. That That would be a foul, yeah. 
That's that, that's a fair on that one, uh, Balak. Uh, yeah. I'm heading to a playoff series, the Canucks playoff series in Anaheim, and at the YVR airport, in the men's room. Uh, you know, washing my hands. Guy, other guy's washing his hands. I look up. Oh, it's Chad Kruger. I'm thinking, okay, you're a Canadian. You're in Vancouver. You're a Canucks fan. Is it possible? I just say, hey, are you going to the uh, are you going to the playoff game? He just looks at me. Cabo, man, Cabo. Walks away. So I, have, I have a right. friend of mine that actually grew up with Chad Kruger, so there's a few stories I probably can't share on the radio right now that I know. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> there there are a few there are lots of stories of Chad Kruger. I'll tell you what, he's had fun as a rock star. Yeah, he was a fixture at the Roxy for a long time too. You know, like that guy was on board. Like he is a big Canucks fan, um, a big hockey fan. I'll, I'll give him that. But yes, I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to. I do not subscribe to anybody being the guy rolling in, play cranking Nickelback on a boombox to try to get the team going. If they even call it a boombox, I just anymore. leave the room. I get my pads on outside. <laughs> That's just, it. I'm done. Yeah, guys, I'm getting dressed next door. Uh, fair or foul? Patrick Kane is the greatest American-born player in NHL history. Um, geez, we have to decide this moment. We do. I'm going to say that's fair. Brett Hall's got some numbers that are great, but I, you know, Patrick Kane has won me over, and there is a guy who might be able to play the game with his style and his skill for another three or four years. And I'll tell you what, I love anybody who has a passion and really enjoys. Doing what he does for a living. And Patrick Kane loves playing hockey. I think that's fair. By the time it's all said and done, he's going to be the best player to ever come from the USA. Yeah, I might lean towards Chris Chelios at the moment, but I think Patrick Kane is clearly not done just yet. Chris Chelios isn't even the best American defenseman. It's Brian Leach. Or Phil Housley. They're both better than looking If you're looking just statistically, but man, Chelios played forever. Three Norris (sighs) trophies. I don't know. Chelios, he played at both ends too, man. Playing forever yeah. is that enough to qualify you as best ever? What are you? But, Dave, but playing, but playing. Rule? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but Chelios was unbelievable. Like, dude was a rock in his own end, but also he he put up some big numbers offensively as well. How bad was that trade, by the way, for the Montreal Canadiens? Right, to trade Chris Chelios for Denny Savard. How did that work out? Mm. It's the French Canadian pull, right? They've always had it. They have to do it. Uh, some texts coming in with their fair or foul. Fair or foul, Russell Wilson won't be the Seahawks quarterback in September. Please sign your texts, everybody, as you get to us at 650-650. Uh, I, I think, gosh, I think he will be simply because of contractual status. So I would say uh, that is foul. Russell will be there in September. Did you just call foul on your own point? No, it was a text coming in. Ah. Uh, you know what? I'd love to see him in Chicago. But <laughs> res- I, ju- I just think with that thirty mil- $39 million cap hit that the Seahawks are going to have to uh, deal with, I-, I don't think Russ is going anywhere this year. Bears fans wouldn't know what to no. do with Russell Wilson. <laughs> I, are you kidding me? Like, there was that Justin Timberlake SNL song, something about in your pants. Um, <laughs> and that, that When Jay Cutler landed in Chicago, that fan base did that. So can only imagine what would happen if Russell Wilson wound up in a Bears uniform. Bears would run the ball all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you get hurt week two. Yeah. Fair or fair? What do you got? You want me to go? Yeah. All right. Blue Jays not airing their spring training games this year is a huge missed opportunity. The team has resorted 
to setting up just a stream of the center field camera. No audio, just a shot of home plates just so fans can see the new look Jays. What a wasted opportunity. There's an old expression, don't poop where you eat. So I want to tread carefully <laughs> on my employers here because Rogers is also not only our parent company that owns Sportsnet 650, but... I just said it's a missed Toronto opportunity, that's all. I have thought for years, Greg, that the Blue Jays are too big and there's too many deep pockets and for a multimedia communications giant, like... They should have every single spring training game televised. They should be in the same conversation with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, with the Mets and the Dodgers. There's no excuse. And I feel like I've been saying this for 10 to 15 years. Every single spring training game should be on television. Nah, you know what? I, I think that's foul. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. You're just looking they for a raise probably, now. <laughs> they have they have put together an exciting lineup, and you're going to have to wait till opening day to watch it. A little sneak peek behind the curtain. That's what exhibition baseball is all about when you get to see it. When you don't, you're even more curious for opening day. Fair or foul? I will be vaccinated before Canada Day. Foul. Oh... Salty Sonia says foul. Salty Sonia says foul. <laughs> Brenda uh, inspired first. me on this one because she's like, "Oh, you know, things are happening. Things are moving. You'll be, you'll, you'll be good by June." I don't know. I'm 46, so that's where that's where I fall in the five, you know, those five year increments. Fair. I think foul. that's a good over. I think that's a good over under. I'm going to say that's fair. Yeah, I'm saying, I, yeah, I don't feel I don't feel overly optimistic, but my better half down the hall seemed to be convinced that I'll be. Well, that's the propaganda that she's in, right? That's her business. (laughs) Shout out to AstraZeneca. There you go. (laughs) You tell her the Canucks are winning every day, and she tells you, oh, he'll be vaccinated by the end of April for sure. There you go. Uh, Lots of people uh, jumping in. We'll get to more of these fair fouls coming up uh, in a little bit. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Speaking of Dunbar Lumber, Stanley Cup champion Ken Priestley joins the discussion next. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fix-It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. Sobolski, Solkowski, and Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner, friend of the show. Hey, Ken, you're going to jump into a hornet's nest here. A lot of people uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 taking issue, um, you know, also weighing in the debate, who's the greatest American-born player ever? You played with a couple of pretty good American players. You had Joe Mullen on your team, didn't you, in Pittsburgh? And uh, Yeah. Um, who's, the best, who's the best American-born player in your mind? Just quick off the top of your head. Off the top of my head, I would think Patrick Kane. But – I played with Phil Housley, who could have played at any any position. Uh, probably one of the first defensemen ever to do what he did. Right? So like, underrated, he, right? Like he's he so underrated. Under, uh, yeah, he, he was a very underrated player. He was a good teammate. Uh, worked extremely hard for a a smaller guy at that time, and he put up some numbers. I mean, he was he was. He was as good a player or as good a skater anyway, so let's just go with that first, as Paul Coffey. And we all know what Paul Coffey was. And, uh, you know, as an American player and, and as, as coming out of high school and, and doing what he did in the NHL so quickly, 
he's up there too. There's 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 a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones. But I think Patrick Kane doing what he does, and I agree, he's going to play a few more years and put up some still pretty good numbers. And Ken, I've never really thought, but everyone's always thinking of comparables. I think it's fair for the people who have never seen Phil Housley play to go thank Quinn Hughes. Is that not fair? Yeah, uh, you know what? Like, um, he could he could be. He was a little bit. Uh, Quinn Hughes handles the puck a, a lot more than Phil Housley did. Phil Housley rushed the puck and then made a play. Like he always got the puck out of the zone. He was not a guy. In Buffalo, when I started there, it was a lot of off the wall and out, and a lot of the forwards chased the puck and off the glass and out. And, and we, you know, we, it wasn't until Turgeon and 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 Anderchuk and all those guys got to the to there that we started wanting to carry the puck out. Right, those guys, the first couple of years was just get it out and let's go crash and bang in the zone. Montreal, Boston, Quebec, Hartford. I mean, those weren't pretty tic-tac-toe games they were hard nose games and uh you know you just wanted to get it into the zone and go and, and hammer a defenseman and, and then do whatever you needed to do down there but Housley. Phil, Housley cha- Phil Housley changed that breakout for Buffalo I mean he got back and when you saw him winding up and letting it go he was he was unstoppable at times Kent Priestley uh, with us here on Sportsnet 650 Housley had 97 points with the Jets in 93. I forget about that. The problem is, yeah. you know, it goes back to our conversation about good players and bad teams in the 6 o'clock hour. Played with the sure. Sabres and the Jets in his prime yeah. years, right? Two teams yeah. that did sweet FA for a good 10-year period. Um, yeah. Ken, while we, while, we, while we have a moment here, um, I know something that you wanted to kind of touch on, and, and man, it was crazy just the outpouring of – emotion and support for for Walter Gretzky who passed away late last week and over the weekend but you know it really kind of got a lot of us thinking about moments with our hockey parents right I mean we always hear about the only time we talk about hockey dads or hockey moms now is generally uh you know if there's something in the news where somebody's been charged or there's a fight in the stands but man that is uh you know the root of anybody who's played youth sports like those 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 moments with your parents, whether you practiced, whether they coached, or just something, I'm sure you probably got a few that come to mind, some stories that stand out for you. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad was, I was very, very lucky. I had a, I had a, I had a young dad. Uh, I was born, and uh, my parents were 18 and 19 years old. So it was an interesting time, I, I guess, for them, right? I mean, I'm, I'm significant after two or three years in, in and, and all of a sudden I have a big brother more than a dad. And, and I was kind of, that's how our relationship went, right? I mean, it, it, was, it was very, very cool. It, we had uh, every time that I needed to do something, he was available. And he worked, you know, numerous jobs, you know, that I can remember when I was really, really young. He owned, him and my mom owned an art gallery in Vancouver um, where he put in long, long days. He was a taxi driver. He was a bus driver so that I could play at different levels of hockey and go to different camps and all that kind of stuff. Back when hockey was just a six-month, seven-month sport. So, you know, here's a young dad coming in and trying to figure out his way having a son at a young age and, and, and still trying to make the best opportunity for, for me. Right. And, uh, you know, every, everything that I can ever remember, um, and every opportunity that was always given, it was, it was always what's going to be the best for his kids. And, and 
we had a lot of joking times. We had a lot of, uh, you know, good uh, times where he would be a little bit more harsh on me for sport. I think at a very young age, he realized that maybe I had a little bit of a, a gift or something that uh, he was going to do and drive me as hard as he could possibly drive me to get the best out of me. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, at times, do I want to do it all the time? No, but there was, you know, for the most part, he had my best intentions at ha- at his in his heart. And um, everything that I got this, to this day, and even the person that I am today, I owe a lot to my parents that way. And, and my dad was one of those guys that did that. And uh, one of the funniest stories, and I have a lot with him, is at a, I think it was my first year, Adam. I might even only been playing for a month or so, and he decided... On a Saturday night, we would play at the old Carisdale rink, the Cyclone Taylor rink. Yeah. And, and when I was a kid, that was a great rink. I mean, that was old school. It smelled old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it like, old. oh, yeah. It was old. Even when it was That's new, awesome, it was man. old. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you went in there as a kid in a, in a red and gold Carisdale minor hockey jersey, and you dress in the corner, you come out to this rink, and it's super lit up and it was just one of those rinks that you made you feel good and we played always on Saturday night and I think he brought some family out or some friends if I can remember and I think I'm seven at this time or eight somewhere in that area and he decided before the game that he was going to motivate me so that I would play well I guess that's how he wanted to do it and again he's not very young or not very old so he's going to offer me some money for every goal that I scored and uh, okay yeah sure because you know, why not? Right. And, uh, anyways, at the end of the game, I scored nine goals and, uh, I oh. remember walking out and I was fired up. Like I was sad. I got nine goals. You owe me nine bucks. That's We're going to money. McDonald's right across the street. Nine bucks. This is great. And he turned to me and he said, I'll give you your money when you score five on five. And I, <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> like I'm in my little guy's mind. I'm confused. Do we even have penalties at that level? <laughs> right. <laughs> But it was just, it was crazy. Like, that was his that was his way of saying, yeah, you scored nine goals. Okay, kid, I still have the nine bucks, so I'll give it to you when I want to. Right? But, uh, yeah, it was, my childhood was fantastic. And I was given every opportunity to uh, to succeed and, 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 and do what I needed to do. And, and, and my dad was behind me and my mom was behind me the whole time. Thanks for this. Nice to catch yeah, up. That's a welcome. great story. Ha- Trip down memory lane, nuts. and uh, life's not fair, kids. Just like, <laughs> but yeah, it, but it know, teaches you. But it teaches. Well, I still you, got those sure. dads this year. Sorry, I got these guys, U eighteen guys that are going. There's six of them that are graduating on Friday as their last practice, and they haven't had a game this whole this whole year. All those parents, and I've got some great parents on this team, and and they just let coaches do what they're supposed to do, and um, you know. They're looking on their getting people to take their phones. They're getting coaches to take their phones out and just video a little bit of a clip of their kid for their last year because they haven't been able to see them. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's tough. tough. That's tough on a on a mom, a dad. It's tough on the kids, right? They um, they've done a great job this year getting through what they need to get through. No, I think we've all been in it together, and uh, yeah, we've all had to endure. Hey, thanks for this. That's yeah. some, some great thanks stories. And, uh, we'll talk yeah, to you next no week. No problem. Right? Fair or foul, I'll take Russell Wilson in a purple jersey.
Yeah, sorry, your phone cut out there, Ken. In that fair or foul? <laughs> they would total foul, total foul. He's not going anywhere in Minnesota the north. more than Chicago. Good call. You bet. No, no, no. Both you guys. That's a foul on both you guys. There he is, Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner from Dunbar Lumber. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbutus Street in Vancouver, or check him out online at DunbarLumber.com. Olympic silver medalist and our Sportsnet hockey analyst, Corey Hirsch, drops by next for your Canucks commute on this game day edition. Of the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. It, it's possible to to make up points. I mean, there's going to be teams that you know falter and don't get points, and when you're when you're up against these four point games, you know they're huge. You got to find a way to win these games. So uh, certainly heading into the rink, you don't want to look too far ahead because it's just going to mentally drain you. Uh, we got this mountain to climb. I think you worry about the two points that are available that night and try to bag those and and worry about the next one and hopefully along the way you get some help. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. All right, four minutes after 8 o'clock here on this game day. Canucks and Habs, uh, your pregame show, 6 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop, 8 p.m. Yeah, it's a late one, much to the dismay of those two morning bums that you're listening to. Perry Solkowski and yours truly, James Sabalski. And a reminder that the starting lineup is a presentation of our good friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. And speaking of quality, it's been a quality performance for the Vancouver Canucks for the better part of the last 10 days, pair, as they've won four of the last five since having that extra day off. And suddenly, since uh, Ron Stradamus proclaimed that, hey, I feel like the Canucks are ready to go on a run, they have indeed done just that, looking to make it four straight wins tonight against Montreal, a team that absolutely owned them earlier this year. Yeah, and even if they don't, if if the mantra has win two out of three, they will be able to take uh, their last six games and go they've won two out of three. Questions as to what will happen. We know uh, Pedersen is still gone for about a week. That's what Travis Green had said yesterday in his press conference. We, we wonder about Jordy Ben. I would imagine if Jordy Ben is not in, then we get to see Ole Olevi on that left side, but it's a hockey team that has found their identity and their identity is just to, you know, play tight checking hockey. They've got great goaltending and, and they're going to have to win with special teams. And I just wonder, considering the firepower that Montreal has and how they've played with their new head coach, if we are going to see a similar story as we did 48 hours ago, where not going to be a whole lot to give between these two sides and it'll either be that perfect shot or that mistake that will make the difference in a low scoring hockey game. So the better part, so what do we know? We know that Elias Pettersson will be out at least another week, um, and the team has been 3-0 and so far without PD in the lineup and the shift to JT Miller uh, to center at this point. Boy, does this not feel like the move that might? <laughs> like, look, it, 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 it's an extremely early to kind of say this, but, you know, if things continue to trend the way they are, is this not the move that saves the Canucks season by moving JT Miller to center? Well, and it may very well uh, launch them into next year. After the way J.T. Yeah. Miller has played, uh, I am of the mindset, and it's difficult to do now, but I am of the mindset. You have Petey at center, Miller at center, and Bo Horvat as your number three center, and see if you can possibly plug in with some guys on the wing. Um, that's how I would look at it. We talk about the Winnipeg Jets, and some were suggesting after their win last night against Toronto – Hey, by the time it's all said and done, because of the depth that the Jets have, they may be the best team and the team that wins the North. 
But for the Canucks to compete, James, don't you think if you can somehow fill those wings, that if you can go Petey miller Bow at center, you'd have Beagle there for another year? Uh, boy, that's daunting. I, I'm amazed at how many people slept on the Jets this year. When you look at the firepower up front, like, there were so many people that did not want to conclude uh, or include the Jets in one of the four teams to get into the playoffs in the North Division. You have a Vesna Trophy-winning goaltender who was exactly that last night against the Leafs. And you have arguably the deepest group of top six forwards in the National Hockey League. Firepower? Check. Great goaltender? Check. And more people seem to focus on, wow, the, the blue line, you know, there's no depth on the blue line. You have You have exactly what you need to win. Great goaltending and guys who can score goals. Look at the Canucks right now. What are they getting? Why are they winning games? Great goaltending. They're also getting support. You know, they're also getting support from secondary scoring, where Adam Gaudet has finally kind of dug himself out, and Jake Vertan. And over the last week, seems energized. But those two guys have factored in on a couple of wins over the last little while. But yeah, no, I'm I'm sometimes perplexed as to how people slept on the Winnipeg Jets at the beginning of this season, ruling out Winnipeg. <laughs> But it is. But at the beginning of the season, you're basing it all on what happened in the bubble. That's why the expectations were through the roof for the Vancouver Canucks. That's why some thought the Montreal Canadiens, with the changes they made and how they had success in the playoffs, would be good. What did you see from Winnipeg? A quick exit. But, hey, they lost their star player, like I believe, two minutes into the playoffs, and Shifley gets hurt. Yeah. I think that's a hockey team when you're talking to GMs. They probably look quietly and go, no, I'll take that lineup in a heartbeat. Some question on the blue line, but they've gotten better. And like you said, Connor Hellebuck was incredible yesterday against Toronto. I, uh, it's the it's the disrespect that Winnipeg gets always in this country, uh, and it will continue. But that's a good hockey team in Winnipeg. Well, it's it's market size, I think, that comes up with it. But uh, you know, part of it. So so speaking of Winnipeg and and the Canucks, uh, there is the. There's also been the conversation, uh, Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts column, uh, which dropped yesterday. Uh, names mentioned as we are, what, about a little over a month away from the NHL trade deadline. Tyler Mott's name comes up. Nate Schmidt's name comes up. And so, too, does Travis Hamannick. Great Ballack on the other side of the glass. Great. Do, do we have that uh, Do we have that Friedman clip um, speaking on the program yesterday? Here's Elliot. And, and take a listen to this. And I, and I want to kind of dive in on this uh, as the future for specifically Tyler Mott and Nate Schmidt here. I heard about the Mott today, and I wasn't surprised by it because it's a very reasonable salary, and, you know, he played very well for Vancouver in the bubble last year, right? So I'm not surprised at that one. The Schmidt one, like, I, I think there's maybe a team or two that just kind of called and asked. I don't really get the sense that's going anywhere. Um, I'm not even convinced that, you know, Vancouver 100% even wants to do it. You know, if you trade Schmidt, you know, what are you replacing him with? I just don't think they're really that interested in 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 going backwards. So I, I think that that creates another problem for you. But I do believe that they were at least called and, and said, what are you kind of thinking there? So, well, in, in, um, what, sorry, in, in what context uh, did you hear about, about, Mott are there you, you feel there's there's a push out there I don't know if there's a push but I I, I do think that I, I do think that there like there are teams always looking for solid uh, players who play maybe 
lower roles in your roster that are signed for very reasonable contracts, right? And he's, and he doesn't have a lot of term. I think he's got what one more year. So like, I think that's very reasonable to a lot of people. And plus he plays hard. He doesn't cause you any problems. Like there's, there's a lot to like about. And like I said, he played really well in the bubble last year and people, everybody was watching. So everybody saw that. So I'm not surprised that there would be some interest in him. So there's Tyler Mott and, uh, and Nate Schmitz. And now Mott, man, is he not their best bottom six forward? Like, look, I don't think you're going to get a huge return for a, a guy in that sort of position. But at the same time, um, it would take a lot for me to want to cut bait on Tyler Mott with what he offers. And, and Schmidt, I guess, what's the alternative pair? I think all of that is just a waste of time. Like Tyler Mott is exactly what you want in a bottom six guy as far as energy, as far as a penalty kill, as far as the odd goal scoring. The guy has some mitts on him. And especially for what you pay. That go, hey, there is the perfect prototype of a bottom six NHL player. And for me, if you're giving up Nate Schmidt as to what Elliot would say, so who are you replacing him with? Like there's a guy with experience that understands it. And for Nate Schmidt to be judged on the first two months in a Canucks uniform as porous as this team was playing, I think is unfair. You want conversations about guys being moved, Pearson, Sutter, uh, Jordy Ben, and will they have a conversation with Alex Edler? And, yes, Jake is always in play. But to me, that's it right now if I'm Jim Benning. Travis Hamannick, the the one that kind of made some sense is if the Jets, uh, and this is where we bring it back to the Jets, where if the Jets are looking at depth on the blue line, um, Travis Hamannick could be a fit potentially. Like, look, Travis Hamannick has insisted that he wants to stay playing in Western Canada. Uh, Travis Hamannick is not going to go south of the border, and then you deal with the quarantine issues. I don't think Winnipeg, but there could possibly be a fit, and especially with a low dollar amount that Travis Hamannick's attached to. Let's bring in our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst who's got a long day ahead of him, so we appreciate him uh, jumping in with us uh, bright and early this morning, uh, Mr. Corey Hirsch. Uh, Hirsch, good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. You know, it's always a pleasure to start my day when I wake up and I get to talk to you. It just brightens does everything. It, it sunshines it, and rains for Hershey. the rest of the day. Sell it like harder, Hershey. Sell it harder. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on today? I'm hearing trade rumors. Trade rumors, yeah. What, like, what, what, yeah what, makes, what makes sense? Based on what Elliot Friedman was talking about uh, in his 31 Thoughts column, uh, what do, what do you make of this, Hershey, in terms of uh, – does it make – I mean, look, I think it's fair to listen to anything, right? You, should, you yeah. always, always listen. But Mott, Schmidt, Hamannick, connect the dots for me here on this one. Oh, boy, yeah. Um, you take Tyler Mott out of that locker room, you're going to have a pissed-off locker room uh, because of how hard he works, what he means to that team, what he gives every day. So I don't – think that would be a very good idea you also have to look at the fact that we you you can you can you can move guys out and bring in new guys but when you when you move out guys like a guy like tyler mott it's your locker room's going to go you know it's not going to be a good result guys don't like that um guys understand that the that the deals you get done and there's some guys that, that can get traded that you're like you know what that's it's okay it's going to make the team better it's just in that um you move out tyler mott for a draft pick or um you know another player it better be something that makes a lot of sense and is going to help the team win and get better that's the only way that's going to work because this guy's a um 
what he gives every night and what he's done for the organization, you know, what he's done for coming out with his mental health stuff. And, and um, it's not going to be a pretty look inside the locker room. Uh, everybody else, I think, is in play uh, other than Pedersen and Hughes. I think, you know, probably you're probably not going to move Demko, of course. Those are probably three guys that are into untouchable at this moment. But other than that, I'd say everybody, everybody's in play. You're not good enough. Like you're not a team that's uh, a playoff team right now. So everybody else to me, Brock Besser, anybody else, uh, well, and possibly even, you know, maybe even Bull Horvath's in play, right? Everybody's in play. And you have to give up something to get something, right? You, you can trade Antoine Roussel, but what are you going to get back, <laughs> right? Like it's, it, you have to give up something to get something at times. Mm-hmm. Hershey, we've had this conversation of you know a fair number of times over the last couple of years when you know we go okay this this is the time for Jim to make that bold move right now you finally have to do something. Do you actually think if it's Jim calling the shots that like it makes sense to move you know you named about three guys who would be untouchable to make that big move? At what point do you go hey Nate Schmidt's here we just got him and this is a the truncated season. Uh, let's believe he's going to be a guy because are you going to turn this into a revolving door if you say goodbye to Schmidt, goodbye to Hamannick, or are you just basically, yeah. hey, they're not good enough and forget what they've done the last four weeks? Well, Perry, when when we talked last and on the big move, I said it was before the season started, right? Like we talked. Yeah. Right now, it's, there's no point. But there's you're not you're not good enough. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup, right? You're not going to win a win a cup. So right now, you have to, you have to look at your assets, what you have. And if that if if something's available that can make your team better for next year um, and and move forward, uh, then you then you, you do it. Um, you know I, I think probably those big moves are going to have to come in the summer. Uh, there's a lot of owners that are hurting for money right now with COVID. Uh, we know that, and, and and a lot of owners have just kind of battened down the hatches and and are just you know waiting for fans to get in the building. So I don't know what the dynamic is going to be out there money wise for, for an appetite. You might see owners say, get rid of this guy. And you might be shocked at who's available, right? Like, and somebody go, you know, because he's got to save $7 million on his books. Um, That might be the case. Like this is a totally different animal right now with what's going on. Um, So, you know, Nate Schmidt at his dollar amount. I, I don't know, you know, are, does, do the Aquilini's get involved? Like, is this some, you, you, do you get what I'm saying? I, I don't have any insider information on this, and I'm not saying, but I'm saying these are all the dynamics that are possible around the league right now. Because you know, it's funny, Hershey. Fans like are I, bleeding money. Yeah, yeah no, no, Co- totally. Owners are bleeding money. Yeah. They're totally bleeding money. And, and I would, uh, but I would also say, like, you, you look at what, you know, has Nate Schmidt been as advertised for what the Vancouver Canucks were hoping to get? And I think this fan base, like, man, this market just wants to love Nate Schmidt. You know, the personality, how good he was for Vegas against the Canucks for the last couple of years. But at the same time, like, what's the return on somebody like Nate Schmidt? Like, he was effectively a salary dump for the Golden Knights last year, right? And and yeah. I think everybody saw it as a win here in this market. A third-round pick to take $6 million roughly for, for Nate Schmidt all day. All day, that's a win, and it improves the back end. But, like, what are you getting for Nate Schmidt in a flat-cap world? Like, I don't think anybody's given up a 
first round pick, I, I, no. I would imagine, right? And then and it's like, are you willing to cut bait on a third round pick that may or may not hit in three, four years down the road for yep. like that's 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 the one where I kinda just say like like that is that would be a lateral move at best unless unless you're you're getting roster player for roster player, but I, I, yeah. mean, I you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a comparable giving up a top four defenseman. Um, yeah, it's I don't see them moving Schmidt. There's there's just and it would have to be like something monster would have to come their way, and I don't yeah. see a team giving up something monstrous to to get Nate Schmidt. You know, there's teams out there going aren't sitting around going, how do we get Nate Schmidt? You know, it's like they're like, how do we get Quinn Hughes? Now you're talking, right? Mm-hmm. Teams are not out there going, how do we get Nate Schmidt? We have to have him in our lineup. You know, um, it, it, yeah, he's, he's good. I mean, right now, if you're you're what you have to do if you're if you're Jim is you gotta you gotta get something for your UFAs. There's been too many UFAs leave this organization that they've got nothing back for, and that's the kiss of death. And you can see it throughout the lineup, right? Uh, is it the Dan Hamhuis one that that is really stings everybody? I think it is, or something, or, um, from a few years back. And then last year, I understand the playoff run, but you didn't get anything for any of those guys. Like, imagine what you could have got for Markstrom and, and Tanev and and Toffoli. Like, these are. I understand the playoff run, but you got nothing in return, zero, and it hurt this year, right? So, you have to. You can't let that happen anymore. You have to get something for UFAs, no matter how hard it is. Do you understand Benning's play, as he said on Friday, that at that point now he's got 14 games left, that the decision has to doesn't have to be made yet. I mean, Hershey, this team's played some pretty good hockey without their best player. I mean, it, yeah, the the odds are not great. Lay some money down if you're a real believer. But do you think Jim is still waiting it out to see exactly where this team goes in the next month? You're not going to win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> no. So what does it matter? Right? Great, you made the playoffs. Great, you went two rounds. You're not winning a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Build a team that's going to win you a Stanley Cup and give you a chance to get to the semifinals and the finals. Not a team that's going to get into the dance. Great. You got into the first round. Yay. Go team. No. Right? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you build a team to win a Stanley Cup. Stop letting UFAs go for nothing. If you're going to get a team that is, if you're going to have a team that wants to win a Stanley Cup, stop letting UFAs go for nothing. Get something for them if you're not going to win a cup. Or at least, or at least have the, the, and I think that's one of the things where um, you you look at last week and the messaging from Benning last week, just saying, you know, we're going to have these, we're going to have a conversation with Tanner Pearson. I think that's just, to me, that's just death in the ears why? for a lot of fans because right? you're going, why? man, like, why, like you, like, don't tell you, don't tell me that, like, tell me you've had this plan all worked out that, you know, there is a plan, right? It's, it's the, you know what, we have got all, no stones unturned, right? As opposed to that, well, you know, and, and look, I think the reality is, is that that's probably posturing, right? That's probably posturing just to kind of add some, dynamic yeah. of leverage that hey well we're not sure if we want to get rid of them but if you want them you're really gonna have to entice me to sell here but at the same time it just sounds like the optics are just like man what are you talking about like you know you're a month away and you don't know what's up like come on do the math here jim Tenor pearson has one point in his last 17 games yeah. or something like yeah. that he's got a goal one goal in his last nine or ten like what are you gonna sign him for 
story. Like what? You're not winning a Stanley yeah. Cup with him in a top you know? six role too, Hershey. Right? Role. Like a guy who was given a top role to maybe. try to score. For a million yeah, and a have half, a conversation. Right? Like, have a conversation with them so you have a good relationship. Come summertime to go. Hey, you want to come back here? We'll keep you and yeah, find the money that fits. Your third line. Yeah, player. yeah. yeah give you. We have some money. A million and a half. Maybe we'll get you to two, and you're going to be part of our bottom six. That's the yeah. conversation. Not now. I we want to sign you before we we let the others take a shot at you because you're too valuable. That yeah. can't be the case. Well, here's the other thing. You got to get your coaching staff signed. All these oh. guys are on the last year of their deals. Are, like, are we are we freaking out on this? Are, like, are, are we going Judd Brackett oh, here I'm in this wondering. market over Ian Ian Clark here? Uh, Hershey is like big I, deal I, or no big deal the whole for you? Staff. Right now. Yeah, I mean Ian Clark's uh, he, yeah. he's he's a, a top three goalie coach in the National Hockey League. Yes, you see what a good goalie coach does for the organization and what it doesn't do for other teams around the league. But his future isn't tied to Travis Green's here in this. Like, I, I don't think it. I, I don't think it's one of those. Like, if Travis goes, so goes Ian. Like, I think a, a, a goalie no. coach can kind of work independently of, of, of a, co- of a coaching staff. He can go anywhere he wants. Yeah, yeah. he can go anywhere he wants. He, he yeah. parks in the driver's seat. He can take a year out, and someone's gonna, you know, he's done enough great work in the National Hockey League. He doesn't need the Canucks. The Canucks need him. Yes, right? like that's the, and it's the same. Travis Green is the same, in the same boat. Travis Green doesn't need the Canucks. The Canucks need him. No, and it's a, a different scenario when you're when you're in the driver's seat because what other also people worked, scoop up Travis Green and Ian Clark in yeah, a heartbeat. The other thing that works against probably keeping Ian long term, possibly, and and this may not necessarily be the whole circumstance, and people could sit there, well, it's Jim Benning or or oh, Francesco Aquilini. Might be a situation like Ian Clark lives in Florida. Like, his family's in Florida. Like, Hershey, you know, you know what life's like as a player to travel all across North America, right? I mean, that is mm-hmm. not a short-haul flight going from Florida to Vancouver. Yeah. No, and, and you have to start thinking about that stuff, right, when you have yeah. family and that. Um but as far as, you know, there's a lot of things around this team right now that need to get resolved. And um, I'm not sure this trade deadline is the time to do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. There are bigger fish to fry right now. Nice to catch yeah. up, man. Thank you. Nice job. Awesome, gentlemen. Thanks, Hirsch. Have a good one. Have a good night, bud. There okay. he is. That's uh, Corey Hirsch, uh, presentation of Manifest, practical counseling that helps guys get a grip on life's challenges, improve your level of function. See manifest.me. To get started, what do you say, Pear? We open up the phone lines at 604 650 Obviously, a lot going yeah, on in the it. Canucks world right now, and you know, Ian Ian Clark's future. A lot of people talking about that at length yesterday on social media and, and on the airwaves here on Sportsnet 650. But you know, trade rumors are, are like, how do you feel about the idea of Nate Schmidt? Go, you know, the Canucks cutting bait at the deadline on Nate Schmidt or Travis Hamonic or Tyler Mott. Can you live with those moves? 604-280-0650. Then at the at the same time, the Canucks are chasing four straight wins tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. Like, do you still believe? 604-280-0650. Your chance to weigh in and set us hot airbags, if you will, on the starting lineup. Set us straight. Uh, it is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 
All right, what's happening? It's 831 here. It is game day. Canucks and Habs. Van City trying to make it four in a row against the Montreal Canadiens. Don't forget, pregame show, 6 p.m., 8 o'clock puck drop. Uh, 604-280-0650, the number to call. Phone lines are open right now. Uh, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, reminder that the starting lineup is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Let's start with Nielsen, who's waiting patiently in Langley. Good morning, Nielsen. Good morning, fellas. How are you guys doing? I'm fired up, Good, man. You. Like your team's winning hockey games. The, the sun's <laughs> kind of shining. I mean, it's cloudy right now, but you know what? It's, I, I like a better optimism in the air rather than doom and gloom all the time. You know? Yeah, me too. But I just I, I wish it would have started at the start of the season. But again, you're yes. seeing you're seeing what a lack of practice time and the, the condensed schedule really did to this team at the start and it's not to make an excuse but I think some of these teams are going to find out later in the season when they get what we got in reverse that, that it's going to be a struggle for them I think too but um, on to this I think um, you know you can't trade you can't trade a guy like Mott he's the perfect template for what you need for the third and fourth lines um, you know he gives everything he's got every every night and um, He'll be a perfect example for the young kids that come up from Utica to fill those spots, like a guy like maybe Lockwood or Gadjevich or Lind. He's he's great for that role. Uh, my only concern with him is, um, you know, the way he plays. He he has been getting injuries, uh, you know, the last few seasons with just his style of play, and that's just going to come anyways, no matter what type of player um, and size I think. But um, yeah, I think he's perfect for that. And a guy like um, a guy like Schmidt, you can't trade him this year for. Two reasons. One, uh, he's great for the room. He, he brings a, a, a levity to that room there, a sense of humor. And you need a guy like that when these guys are all kind of doom and gloom. Uh, you need a guy, in the, a voice like that in the room. And you're not going to get uh, a lot for him in this type of cap. I think you need to wait a few years on that before you uh, before you make that type of choice. But, and Ian Clark, you got to keep him. Of all the coaching staff, you got to keep him. So thanks, guys. Keep everybody. I like uh, Nielsen. Yeah, thanks so much. All ro- yeah, but. It's all rosy in Nielsen's world. You know, what's interesting <laughs> – uh, you know, you, you can't keep everybody. You can't keep saying Jonah Gajevich and Cole Lind. At some point, if they're not here, they're not going to be NHL players. So the interesting take, and a lot of people are fired up on it, is what Hershey had said. This is not a Stanley Cup team. You know, you can't just be who we got in the playoffs. I don't know. The LA Kings won a cup. You know, as Brian and Abbotsford said, if you get in, you have a chance. So do you bail now? Or, or do you say, hey, no, I think we can get in. And I think that's a dilemma that's facing fan base. And, and Jim Benning, where are you? Is getting in good enough, or do you wait? Let's stay in uh, Langley. Let's go to uh, Jordan, who's uh, waiting patiently uh, on line two. How you doing, Jordan? Oh, good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, a little bit of a compliment. I interviewed the other day with uh, Morneau Renome was an awesome interview. Anyway. Thank you. Uh, thank you. My parents you. said the same thing, too, man. I, my parents never listened, so clearly it moved the meter. So thank you. Yeah, anyways, um, yeah, I kind of agree with some of Nielsen's points, but some things that just everything with this team, and it's not just the pandemic, is waited till the last minute constantly. The the only time I can remember things being done proactively with Jim Benning is signing good Branson. Now, why was Horvat down to the last minute? Why was Besser down to the last minute? Why were all the UFAs last year down to the last minute? And people say, well, uh, Tanev wasn't worth that much. Well, maybe if you were actually proactive and in February tried to re-sign him, he would have taken a lower number. But when you get to July and start, re- or whenever free agency was last year, sorry, and start realizing how much money's out there for you, you're going to think otherwise. But if you're proactive, maybe you can get those things done. And uh, 
It's like Sat said on your show the other day when Benning isn't the guy at the party holding court. He's the guy with the food on his shirt. And I feel like the Canucks need an alpha male or female or whatever, at least in there, uh, you know, that's going to be able to dominate and tell Francesco what the team needs. And I feel like it's a, a lot of it is the other way around right now with Benning. I could be wrong, but it doesn't yeah. seem that way. Thanks, guys. I think it's a fair point, um, but at the end of the day, there's one guy who, you know, he holds the purse strings. And if you talk to people around the league, James, um, that have had conversations about the Canucks, you know, the Aquilinis make the decisions. And when you are reactionary, as Jim Benning kind of let it slip out that time just kind of got past him and he ran out of time to make his deal to get Tyler Toffoli, that, you know, to me, of all his comments, that's the one that really hurt. And, it's tough to be reactionary in a business like this, but you can only do what the boss is telling you to do, and we don't know what exactly that conversation is between ownership and general manager. Okay, two 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 things there, okay? A, sat stealing my lines, because that was Jim Benning hanging out by the buffet you table. Thief. It was mine I've been going. Satyar. Yeah, exactly. You Satyar, exactly. Shame. Uh, secondly, it is a good line, nevertheless. Uh, secondly, Elliot Freeman's a big subscriber to when you have contract negotiations, the longer you wait, the price only continues to go up on almost every case and every player. You want to look at even a different sport example? Look at Dak Prescott. The Cowboys slow played that a year ago. Dak got, what, $8 million more than he was looking at last year. Back to the phones we go. 604-280-0650, the number to call. Dunbar Lumber text line as well. Feel free to chime in at 650-650. We go to Lou in Maple Ridge. Good morning, Lou. Good morning, guys. Um, I, I'm not a fan, so just we'll get that out of the way right okay. now. So I'm, I'm going to offer the unbiased opinion here. What is your ultimate goal? It is to win a Stanley Cup. It is not to finish 17th or 16th place and make the playoffs. So what you need to do, and it's obvious this is what, what Benning kind of lacks in the ability to do, is project what your window is, and all your planning should be based on that time window even if it hurts you now. So any player on this team that they don't see as part of the plan in two years should be available. And not only that, even if there's some guys who they do consider to be in the plan, they should be available if there's a better deal out there. I'm going to point to an, an example, and that's Messiah Jury in Toronto. For years, little moves, little moves, and then he trades his best player to bring back a better player because one became available. Now he's gone after a year, but that banner stays up forever. There is only one goal, and that's a cup. You either finish first, finish last, everything else in between means nothing. Thanks, Mick. Um, you play to win the game. Wasn't that what Herm Edwards once said? It's a matter of yeah. having that infrastructure, right? You know what's funny, though, Pear? I do feel like the narrative amongst a lot of front offices in the last 10 years has changed now, right? Just more about it's not about getting a top seed now. It's more about, hey, just get in and take your chances. Case in point, the textbook example is the L.A. Kings going back as an eight seed and going to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, the Oilers in 06, that was an eight seed in the West, and they came, what, one game away. From, they got to game seven of the Stanley Cup final and lost to Carolina, and they probably win that if Dwayne Rolison doesn't get get hurt in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, it, it, listen, everyone wants to win a championship, but if you own a team, I'd go, can you get me into the postseason so I can put a couple million in the bank for every home game? I mean, that, that's the business side of it, right? Now it's different. You won't see that this year, and you didn't get it last year, which is unfortunate for the Aquilinis, but 
Yeah, you don't want to go viral for missing the playoffs. It's okay. I mean, there's money to be made. This is a business. So do you have the, the financial well-being and the patience to go, well, if, if this is going to keep us out for a bit, that's okay. So the difficulty, I, I don't disagree with, with some of the comments, but there is a money attached to getting into the postseason. And if, 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 all, if you don't win a Stanley Cup, but you've been in the playoffs 10 years in a row, the owner's probably not that disappointed, at least from the bottom line standpoint. 604-280-0650, the number to call. That opens up a phone line. If you want to jump on in, we head to Delta. Love Delta. That's where we find Mick. How you doing, Mick? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. Um, I just wanted to say, I think, honestly, the Canucks are they are not that far from being a genuine contender team. I honestly think when we look back at that 2011 team that we had, uh, the only thing I see missing from this team is like the Rafi Torres or the Maxime Lapierre's of this of this league, and I really think that if we have those main pieces, or not, they're not the main pieces, but like those pieces that just get the dirty work done genuinely. I think this team can make a genuine run into the playoffs. Thanks, Mick. Pair. I'm gonna say Mick. You're right, and I'm going to say the over-under is three players. You can find a guy who can score on the wing, maybe a couple, and another depth defenseman, James. Is this team that far off? If Thatcher Dampico continues to trend that way, you've got your puck-moving defenseman. You can maybe move JT Miller to center, so you got another winger who can help PD out. Like, I don't think they're that far off. This team is not no longer building. They're adding pieces, but it's it's like playing, what is it, Jung? You play all those games. Yahtzee, is it Jenga? Where it's just, what piece are you moving to keep this in line without it crumbling down? And I think that's what we're going to see in the next six months. Will it crumble? I think people felt it did with some of the offseason moves. Now we're saying, oh, maybe we'll get by this. But I don't think they're more. The over-under to me is three good players to make this team competitive and a Stanley Cup contender. Do you remember the song from Jenga? You take a block from the bottom and you put it on top. You take now, see, a block from the middle and you put it on top. It. That's how you build a tower and you just don't stop. Anyway, I digress. I watched a lot of TV as a kid. So, um, yeah. How about a lot of people also on the Dunbar Lumber text line as well at 650-650. A lot of people want to you know, seem to throw Corey Hersher, Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, uh, right into the Fraser River right about now. But uh, uh, Duncan the Chef uh, saying, I would love to know when the Canucks will have a GM that doesn't live pay paycheck to paycheck with their lineup. We have a proven track record of being terribly inconsistent until it's close to the trade deadline. You can't build a winner with mid-round draft picks and GMs without a clear plan. I think that's where it feels like. And, and look, uh, you know, there's some people that are defending Jim Benning saying, hey, look, why, why would it somebody, you know, tip their hand completely as to what they're doing and what the game plan is? But oftentimes it does feel like it, it, it does feel like this team is kind of waking up in the morning and the front office is just standing in front of a dartboard and going, okay, what's the plan today? It's, uh, you know, I think it's difficult, right? I mean, we're, we're having this conversation if the teams played their best two weeks of hockey and if they win tonight. It's, it's such a, an, an event and a sport where you judge on what's happened immediately. And we're going to take a long time to forget to what we watched in the first two months to start this season. But honestly, Jacob Markstrom, are we really missing him right now the way Thatcher Demko is playing? You know, Chris Tanev's there to lock things down, but they've got issues in Calgary. With the exception of Tyler Toffoli, did Jim Betting get everything wrong? I'm not sure that's the case. Is he reactionary? Yes, but let's wait it out. Patience is something that he seems to have. Maybe we need more with the fan base. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, could not agree more with Hershey's comments today. Spoken like a true GM. Who cares about making the playoffs if you were nowhere near a threat to win anything? Asset management, Jim. Uh, Ryan and Kitts also chiming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Letting Ian Clark go would be unforgivable, in my opinion. We're not getting a better goalie coach on the open market, so it would be very obvious cost-cutting move by the owner. Unacceptable in one of the wealthiest markets in the league. Okay, back to the phones we go. Final word to Gerald in North fan here on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Gerald. You're on the starting lineup. Morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Last caller. Awesome. Yeah. Um, no pressure. Work, no Gerald. pressure. Yeah. Uh, with PD being out and them on a winning streak and Miller playing, I guess, pretty good at center, how would you like mix up the lines? I mean, if it, it were up to you guys. And also, um, wouldn't it be better to spread out all three lines or four lines? Um, because you know, with everyone playing, I guess, clicking, uh, Hogs and, uh, you know, Bess are playing well. To have Petey and Bess on the same line, it, it, it's kind of redundant because they have another line that can just defend two of them when they can just spread them on both different lines. Uh, thanks again for taking my call. Love the show. Thanks very much. I appreciate that, Gerald. Uh, you know what? I, I would say this. Um, you know, Pear, you were kind of throwing out some different scenarios yesterday. Um and, you know, it was also suggested maybe moving – Murph was suggesting JT Miller when Petey's back, you know, moving Miller down to the third line at center there. I would love to see maybe a consideration to put Petey on the wing with Bo Horvat. You know, if you if, if the Besser if, – if Besser is still having success with Miller – um, and, you know, if you could try to ignite Horvat into more consistent scoring and Petey is a little more of a creator where I don't think Horvat necessarily is – I, I, I would consider looking at something along those lines, perhaps, and you know, try PD on the wing. Uh, you know, we agree with this one. I, I think they have found, you look at the Winnipeg Jets and how good they are, as much as PD may not like it right now, when he returns to this lineup, I'd play him on the wall. I'd play him on the wing, and I don't think I would play him with Miller right now. I, I would spread it out. It's something that Travis Green has kind of, you stuck with your ways. And how often did we go, if the lotto line is not scoring, how is this team going to win? Well, you know, you, you, were, you were forced to make a decision. You move Miller there. Holglander has some energy. You've got some more speed with what you've done. Jay Beagle's line has been good as a fourth line in the last week. I would make that move, and I would think that this organization, if everybody who doesn't have contracts is still there, looks at staying deep down the middle with JT Miller playing center ice, PD playing center ice next year, and Bo Horvat. Hey, if Bo Horvat is your number three center, and, and, and you can actually do it without going, okay, this is crazy, boy, that's, that's deep right down the middle, and that's when you, where you want to build your hockey team. Uh, thanks very much for everybody jumping in uh, at 650-650 and also uh, calling in this morning as well. We'll get some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. If you're struggling to understand some of the hosts here at Sportsnet 650, you're not alone. But don't worry, there's an app for that with the Sportsnet 650 Translator app. Just hold your phone up to your speaker and let the app take care of the rest. A couple of minutes, Renel Laval of TFA is going to talk to us about what's going on in Montreal. Renaud Lavoie of TVA Sports. We both were talking about Chase Horlack. You know, uh, there, there just seems to be a little bit jump in that fourth line. Canucks forward, Jace Howerluck. Even some of the guests here on Sportsnet 650 can say some dumb sh- I mean, head-scratching things. The app's got you covered there as well. Do you want them to have... You know, no fear in going after guys like Forbot. So I, mean, I still don't even know how to say the guy's name. 
Forbot, Robot, whatever the hell his name is. Winnipeg Jets defenseman Derek Forbort. The Sportsnet 650 Translator app, now available in the App Store and Google Play. Please be aware, not everything Perry says can be translated. Even modern high-powered computers can only decipher about 80% of his speech. Refunds not available. Not an actual app. <laughs> there you go. The translator. Got to get that app, man. Got to get that app. Uh, Jace got uh, Chase from the head coach two days ago, too. Uh, Chase has been good. Remember when he was signed? You and I are both going, how do, how do you pronounce the name? He's a Yorkton native, too, where I worked. Former Canucks assistant Rick Bonus, who's now the man in Dallas, uh, when he was the head coach of the Ottawa Senators, there was a young defenseman, yeah, played a few years in the NHL by the name of Stan Netzcash, but his last name was spelled N-E-K-K-A-R. And, man, how many times? Oh, Neckar oh. was great. Neckar, oh, man, he was yeah. oh, like, having a great camp, this Neckar. And, of course, like, finally somebody gets the actual pronunciation, and it's like, oh, Samsonite, I was way off. Yeah, well, that's I had the I had Craig Berube's father called me when I was working in Edmonton and he had been signed to play in Edmonton. And he goes, Perry, you know, can you for, for once pronounce our family name correct? He goes, it's not Berube. Everybody in the NHL calls it Berube, but it's actually Burabee. I go, seriously, it's Burabee. He goes, yes, but we've just never told anybody. So I went on the air, and I got Craig Berube as soon as I get upstairs. What are you doing? It's Berube. I go, no, it's Dad. No, it's not. And forever, it's always been Berube. But apparently, according to the family, it's not that. So there you go. I didn't have the app back then. Now we have it. Well, depending on what generation of hockey fan you are, it's either Frank Peterangelo or Alex Petrangelo. So there's that. Hey, we got to get out of here. Uh, the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way in a moment. Uh, Tim McAuliffe uh, from Tim and Friends. We won't have Tim's friends. We will have Tim on uh, the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at 9 o'clock. Don't forget Canucks and Habs pregame show, 6 o'clock, 8 p.m. puck drop, your Ooh. favorite pair. So uh, we'll be uh, ready to roll bright and early tomorrow, grudgingly. But we'll be back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel from all of us here on the starting lineup. You're listening to the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks. It is game day on Sportsnet 650.